Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I am doing well. How are you? Good. Did you have a good weekend? I did. Just relaxed. Didn't do too much. Nothing crazy. That's what Kerry Davis needs to do is ah. take a deep breath, chill, hang out with the chill, family, watch some football. Out. Yes. Good weekend to be able to do that. That's what it's all about. It is. It is. Matthew Rocky was also here. He attended the Blues loss on Saturday night. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But we should tell you that uh, Matthew Rocchio's record attending home Blues games is... Uh, it is now... Oh, I don't want to say this publicly. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this is rough. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, it is 3-7-1. and one. Wow. 3-7-1 and one for this Matthew Rocchio. This year, yeah. Uh, right. Uh, so that's 11 and, games. And two of, those, two of those wins were the, when they won the first three games of the season. When they won like, the first three <laughs> oh, games of the season. 0-7-1 uh, since? 1-7-1. One, oh, one, one, seven seven one. One, one. They got the win, they got the win on Tuesday night <laughs> when they came back. So you can text Matthew at 314-399-9646. The text line will be open throughout the day. It is a holiday, Martin Luther King Day, and so not as many people driving around getting ready to participate in the show. We want you to, but we will have a fight at 8.30 and we're going to need a fighter. So if you want to get ready for the fight right now, you can text the word fight in to 314-399-9646 and you can participate. The Blues do play tonight, 7 o'clock at the Enterprise Center, the fourth of seven in a row at home against Ottawa and Brady Kachuk. 6 o'clock with the pregame here on 101 ESPN. CD, Saturday night, Enterprise Center. Blues are not one of the best teams in the league. Tampa Bay still is. Tampa beats the Blues by a score of 4-2. Braden Point, the difference in this one, a couple of goals as the Blues lose their second in a row. Yeah, second in a row. You know, they they had been playing extremely well with, with Tarasenko and, and, and O'Reilly being out. Um, just got to get back to the drum, but I, I still like you know Pidlick's line. I like what mm-hmm. they were able to do. The goal that he scored was was abs- was was a, a fantastic goal. Um, but I, I like to to see. I said it. We talked about it Friday, Randy. Just more physicalness from this team, more aggression. Um, I don't think that person is on the roster. No. So I think at at the trade deadline, you know, you're going to be looking for someone that can skate and likes to run into people every now and then. And yesterday, Vladimir Tarasenko participated in practice. Coach Craig Bruby saying after the practice that Vladdy won't play tonight, but there is a chance that he plays in the remainder of this homestand, which would be way faster than anybody thought Vladdy would come back. Yeah, he must be a quick healer. Yeah, <laughs> No one expected him to be uh, even thought about to coming back this soon, but... but you know, the fact that he's actually out there skating with the anticipation, with the opportunity to play in a few days, I think is a great news. It is great news, but it's kind of weird for me because the reason that it's great news is because he can get healthy enough for March 3rd for the trade deadline. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, 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 you normally you want a guy back so that he can help you win a Stanley Cup. Right. I don't think that even with 
a, a top flight Vladdy that the Blues are going to win a Stanley Cup in 2023. But he is a free agent. The likelihood is is that he will not be a Blue in 23-24. So if he's willing to accept a trade and enhance his value by being on the ice in the month leading up, month and a half, maybe five weeks leading up to the trade deadline, all the better. As a player, I don't think that, that that's on his mind. I don't think he's coming back. You know, I don't think that that's the, the mindset that he has I, unless he really wants to be out there. I know the, the trade request was happened, was, was asked last season, but I don't know that he wants to be traded. I think that would be something to know from him because mm-hmm. he does have the no trade clause. So if it's some something that he truly wants to do to be out of here, to move on, to be in a place where he can get a contract extension and know where he's going to be for the next four to five years of his career, uh, that would be intriguing for, for us to know. But either way, he's going to be a free agent. So he wants Correct. to enhance his market yeah. value, if yeah. nothing else, yeah. right? Definitely. No, not the Blues market value, necessarily, of him, but uh, his right. market value for, in terms of getting else. a contract, yeah. right? Yeah. So the Blues and the Ottawa Ottawa Senators tonight. NFL playoffs, a little weekend in the NFL. No surprise that the 49ers took care of the Seahawks 41-27 on Saturday. Brock Purdy, three touchdown passes and a touchdown run for the 49ers, and they they look like they have every single element that you want to have to be a really Brandy, good team. that was a beautiful football game to watch. It, 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 I mean, there was, you know, early in the game, Seattle was able to score a touchdown and, you know, made it 10-7. to 7. You're like, okay, maybe Seattle mm-hmm. can hang around. And then San Francisco just showed you why they are the elite dominant team that they are. They have so many weapons, so many people that can do so many things. You can throw a a, a five yard under route to Debo Samuel, and he can run it in for seventy four yards. For <laughs> yep, yep. And, and Brandon Ayuk is blocking his butt off downfield. That is a great football team, Randy, and and it's a great football team because you know the the game plan, the scheme, obviously the players, but they're playing for one another. The fact that that I saw Brandon Ayuk blocking his butt off downfield for Debo to take it down the sideline, it speaks volumes to what this team is and how great they can be. And and as a coach, you know, a coordinator, and Kyle Shanahan, you have to find ways to get every one of those guys the mm-hmm. ball. Otherwise, they they tend to not play as hard, but. They're playing for one another because they know what's on the line. And this team with Brock Purdy, I don't know that this team is as good with Jimmy Garoppolo. Didn't see enough with Trey Lance. But with Brock Purdy, this team can win a Super Bowl. And I'm not afraid to say that. I've been kind of hesitant to think that way. But just watching them yesterday, watch out. He, Brock Purdy, is just another example, like we knew all too well here in St. Louis with both Kurt Warner and Mark Bulger, like Tom Brady, like Joe Montana, who was a third-round pick, more times than not in the history of the league, and not every time, but more times than not, when you have a great quarterback, you fall into him. Yeah, yeah, it's not something. I mean, very rarely do you get your Peyton Mannings of the world. Yeah. That you know, there was a, a, a debate of whether we go Ryan Lee for Peyton Manning at one point. You you never know. And so even Peyton Manning struggled and stunk it up his entire rookie year, but became you know one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. To find that guy. You know, to scout him, to evaluate him, and 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 him to be drafted to you is is, I guess, few and far between. Oftentimes, it is you get one of these guys that that kind of work their way in and, and show that they have the ability because those first round quarterbacks don't always hit. You think of 
Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that, that's a guy did. that that. But there were still some. There were quarterbacks taken in front of him. Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> so there were some people yeah. that didn't think that he was what he was supposed to be. So right. you, you never really know. And by the way, just as and we'll swing back to the Saturday night game, but. The Dolphins were on their third-string quarterback, too. Yeah. And he looked like a chicken with his head cut off. He did. And nothing against the kid, Skylar Thompson. He's just, if he ever becomes a quarterback, he's not ready. He played better than I thought he would in that environment, though. The fact that, you know, going into Buffalo, uh, playing that team, knowing what they have been going through, Josh Allen obviously helped them out because he's turning the football over Mm -hmm. too much. But he played better than I thought he would. Missed some reads, missed some throws, but but for a playoff game on the road in Buffalo, I didn't think he played poorly. I just don't think the Buffalo, I think the uh, Miami Dolphins didn't have enough to win that game. I'm with you. My, my, My point is that Purdy looks like a guy who belongs, and Thompson does. does not look like, did not look like a guy. As well as he played, there were just plays where he just didn't look calm. I never sensed a moment where Brock Purdy didn't look calm. Where we'll know, we'll have a, a better understanding if they make it to the NFC Championship game and they have to go to Philadelphia. That will be our our true mm-hmm. uh, definition and test of, of what Brock Purdy is. A playoff environment on the road in Philadelphia where they say any and everything and do they yeah. might throw double-A <laughs> batteries at you coming out of the tunnel. Anything uh, is... No, playoff is the Ds. <laughs> the play, right. Playoffs they, are they, D batteries. They, they use the D batteries in playoffs. Okay. <laughs> Single A is for, for preseason. Uh, triple A is preseason. Double A is regular season. Yeah, yeah. And then the big D batteries for the playoffs. They got to knock you out if they can. I, I'm with you. Alright. Uh, one team that appears to have their quarterback is the Jacksonville Jaguars. As we all know by now, down 27 nothing in the first half. And CD, you were telling me before we went on the air, that touchdown at the end of the first half was a difference-making TD. It was. It, it When you looked at the score, you said, well, this is, it's not that bad. They are, they are still in this game. And it was, it was really that touchdown and, and the way that they had played. Trevor Lawrence couldn't have played any worse than he no. did. Yeah, I mean, he turned the ball over four times, and they were still right there within a couple of scores from being able to win that game or, or take the lead. And so when you look at it in, from that perspective, you say, okay, this team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're at home. Um, you've played really the worst Probably in, in I would ask Trevor Lawrence. That's probably the worst half of football he's ever played in his entire life. He said that, yeah. Uh, in his entire life, he he's a guy that hadn't lost a game until he got to Clemson, I think. And 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 so the the fact that he played that poorly was was just it was it was it was it was, it was tough to watch. But the, the, I figured that if they scored that touchdown and they did right before halftime, that put them in a position to. Um, know that they had a chance to win this game, and, and they eventually did. There was some good play calling, very, very gutsy play calling um, from from the head coach and making sure that – from Peterson, making sure that they put themselves in a great position. I, I like what they did. I don't know how far they go after this weekend, mm-hmm. but that was a great game and a great win for them. Yeah, Jacksonville will be at Kansas City. Cincinnati will go to Buffalo yes. next weekend. By the way, just as an aside here, with the hair that Trevor Lawrence has – did you recognize or see that in the post-game interview, he wasn't sweating and the hair was perfect? It looked like he had just gotten out of the shower and dried it with a dryer. He's like one of those uh, dolls, like yeah. one of those ma- uh, mannequins. He just doesn't, it never gets frizzy or never gets ruffled. It's, it's kind of like his quarterback play. Just, yeah. Just, you know, it, it, go through the worst things and still come out clean as possible. Yeah, so good for the Jags. <laughs> and so in the AFC, you've got the top 
seeds advancing to next weekend. And then the other games yesterday, you had the Vikings over the Giants, 30 or the Giants over the Vikings, rather, 31-24. After that game, Saquon Barkley said that Daniel Jones is elite. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know that that's true. <laughs> I think you know sometimes we get caught up in the moment, Randy, and we are uh, yeah, yeah. we are excited about you know playoff wins on the road, and we say some things. I don't know if elite would be the word that I would use for Daniel Dimes. I would say efficient. Mm-hmm. I would say you know on the on the rise. I think this the fact that he has Brian Dable as his head coach and and getting him going in the correct direction, I think that has made a transformation in this young man that we did not expect to see. And and what I saw from him uh, last night, it made me think that he is going to get, he may not get franchised, Randy. He may get real money. The contract, yeah. Yeah, he may get real money because you go into an environment in Minnesota, a team that uh, has played so well all season, albeit, you know, they, I think they had 11 one-score games that they won. So they were they were scratching and clawing. But you go into that environment and get that win. And if if Darius Slayton catches that pass, that under route, in the end of the, uh, towards the end of the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, you don't even have to go on defense. The, the game is over. He played extremely well. Daniel did. Daniel Jones did. And so, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm surprised at how well he played, but he's not elite, not yet. Jones, the only quarterback in NFL history to have a postseason game with 300-plus passing yards, 70-plus rushing yards, and two-plus passing touchdowns. So he made some history. And then last night, the Bengals on a long fumble return at the end of the game. Knock off the Ravens 24-17. Tyler Huntley starts for the Ravens at quarterback. They get the ball down to the two-yard line on a long pass to Mark Andrews. First down, don't get anything. Well, they get a yard. It's second and goal. They don't First down was the pass to Ricard right at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Second yep. down was a run by Edwards down to the one. Third down, rather than giving the ball to a running back with a pretty good offensive line or while trying to throw it to Andrews, they tried to get Tyler Huntley to, well, they tried, according to John Harbaugh, to get Huntley to burrow down low. And he should He tried have. to jump over the yeah. top, got the ball knocked out, bing, bang, boom, touchdown the other way. 98-yard touchdown, and... and um he was too far away to try to go over the top. He wasn't close enough. That's on the on the one inch line, mm-hmm. you know, right inside of the one. They were almost on the two, one and a half, two yard line. So that was a, a far reach for Tyler him. Tyler Huntley is not Walter Payton. No, <laughs> not at all. And, and got the ball knocked out. Um, big return by the by the Cincinnati Bengals. And so let's give some love to the defensive lineman Sam oh, yeah. Hubbard, ninety eight yeah. yards, yeah, Nine, huffing and puffing, yeah. huffing and puffing all the way down there. Mark Andrews is faster than I thought. Yeah. He is pretty fast for a big fella. He was he almost walked him down, um, but th- that was a great play by the Bengals. Great play to to finish that game. And sometimes in the playoffs, Randy, it's not it's not always going to be pretty. Just survive in advance, you know. Yep. We get the win and get to next week. So next weekend, Saturday at three thirty, St. Louis time, Jacksonville at Kansas City. Then the late game on Saturday has the Giants at Philadelphia at seven fifteen, St. Louis time. Sunday. 2 o'clock St. Louis time, Bengals at Buffalo, and then the night game at 5.30 St. Louis time. The Dallas-Tampa Bay winner tonight will be at San Francisco. College basketball over the weekend on Saturday, number 20 Mizzou falls to Florida, 73-64. St. Louis U hangs on by their fingernails for an 81-74 win over GW, and on Friday Illinois, a winner over Michigan State, 75-66. Go Illini. Anytime we beat Sparty, it's always good. Good, a good game for us. You know, We enjoy beating up the Spartans.
Tough and lost by Mizzou. No, no one listening except for the the, yeah, the very, very deliberate uh, heard Carrie's extremely sarcastic snap at Mizzou's loss. Just, not oh, darn. Darn it. I didn't appreciate that, Carrie. I didn't appreciate that one bit. Shucks. Breaking rights like a month ago, man. Get over it. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, three things we loved from the weekend here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. For three things we love about the weekend. Number three. All right, CD, have you ever brought a piece of furniture home from a store or ordered it online mm-hmm. and had to put it together? Yeah. Has there ever been any frustration involved with said oh, endeavor? Yeah. Sometimes they don't give you the instructions in the right spot or all CD, the uh, pieces. Uh, my wife's birthday is two weeks from today, so she ordered a table for herself from Amazon. Okay. One of my charges on Saturday as I watched the game <laughs> was to put together said table. Okay. I did it, and it went swimmingly. There was not one problem. I didn't throw any tantrums. I didn't smash my hand <laughs> against the table. Everything went well. I didn't have to take anything apart and put it together again. Hey. <laughs> so it went perfectly. That's I a, loved it. That's a great that, that That in itself, is it makes you feel, when you create something, it makes you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, I think it would be like when the cavemen created fire. <laughs> fire. <laughs> like the, the, the thrill you yeah. get when you finish a project yeah. is, is unlike anything else. I, I'm with you, Randy. I, I, was, I, I loved it. I was 100% <laughs> thrilled. And the fact that I did it without any angst, without any tension, without any adversity, it just made me very, very happy. It will make you feel good. I, I, I'm with you there. For me, uh, it was watching the 49ers. I talked about it earlier. Um, this is a team that seems to be poised to go very far in these playoffs this season. Brock Purdy, 300 yards passing and three touchdowns. Uh, McCaffrey, over 100 yards rushing. You got Debo Samuel with 100 yards receiving. They have 500 yards in total offense, and Randy, they did not turn the football over. Mm-hmm. That is the team, and, and we're able to get two turnovers from Seattle. That is a team, when you look at the way their defense is played, when you look at the way they're playing offensively with Brock Purdy, they are. It's just fun to watch them play football, and there are so many weapons, so many guys. We don't even. We haven't even talked about George Kittle, and he's one of the yeah. best tight ends in the in the league, and he had a a, a pretty good day as well. They are poised to be a team that is going to make a run through this playoffs. And and even even when you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles are, they kind of struggled down the end of the end of the season due to injuries. Um, I'm I'm. I'm really, really excited to watch this this 49ers team in the playoffs and, and how they go through it week to week. Number one, they're playing old school football. And they, number two, they have the new school necessities. This game is all about protecting your quarterback on offense and having people for the quarterback, the good quarterback to get the ball to. And on defense, getting after the quarterback and yep. being able to defend the pass. They get after the quarterback as well as anybody, and they protect the quarterback as well as anybody. They do, and and they run the football. And yeah. they, they are not, you know, that that trade to get Christian McCaffrey. We were like, whoa. Mm-hmm. They they understood what they were doing offensively, how well they already ran the ball, but to get an elite running back like like Christian McCaffrey, who not only runs the ball well but catches the ball out of the backfield really, really well. Um, they are they are a team poised to make a make a make a deep playoff run. Number two. 
Carrie, last night at the Missouri Athletic Club, the uh, Baseball Writers of Association held their St. Louis chapter held their annual dinner and. They gave their sport, their Man of the Year award to Paul Goldschmidt. Nolan Arenado picked up his gold and platinum gloves. Both Goldschmidt and Arenado picked up their Silver Slugger awards. It was great to have Polo Asensio and Benji Molina honored as the good guys. The Cardinal young players were on hand. Jordan Walker uh, as the Cardinal Minor League Player of the Year along with Gordon Graceffo. And here we are. We are a month away from the start of spring training. And for better or worse, it was fun to see everybody get back together because we know baseball is on the way. Yes, and we are patiently waiting. We're excited. Um, I, I'm I'm excited to see what this Cardinals team looks like going into next season and how they look going into spring training, who fits where and how. Um, you know, does anybody get brought up? Who's going to be brought up? How well will they perform? And, and you know, really seeing guys come back from from seasons where that didn't go as the way, go the way that they wanted to, do, to go. Tyler O'Neill, we watched Adam Wainwright not finish in the manner and he wanted to finish. So, you know, those guys have uh, something on their mind and a, a determination that is going to lead them into the season. It's going to be fun to watch. For me, it was the St. Louis Blues and the Hall of Famers actually getting their jackets and Randy, I've seen a lot of jackets. I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of Hall of Famers um, be recognized. Those jackets, the interior of those jackets with the pictures mm-hmm. of them playing and doing, I think that was absolutely awesome to see. Not only to to be honored in, in the first, you know, um, annual the first name, the first names to be honored in, in, in Blues history, but to to see the jackets and to see those guys in the in the moment with one another experience in that time I thought that was that was awesome to watch it, it was a really special night and great to have all those guys that hadn't been previously honored Red Berenson yep. Gary Unger coming back to town Scotty Bowman making their way into the Hall of Fame it was very cool from a Blues fan standpoint can we get Bernie in here so we can get a good look of the interior of yeah, that jacket I want to see I love like I just the it's something different so different that I've never seen the interior where they had the pictures of them, you know, making shots or making plays. I thought that was that was really cool. Number one. For me, Carrie, along those lines, sometimes we take for granted things that are happening to us as they happen. And one of the things that I unfortunately took for granted in my young broadcasting career was having the chance to cover Brett Hall on a daily basis yeah. because there is nothing more fun. And sure, Drunk Holly is fun at, at an event <laughs> like that. But... I had a chance before the dinner started to just hang out with Holly for 15 or 20 minutes and talk about so many things that were not hockey, talk about golf and great golf mm-hmm. trips and stories and things like that. What a treasure he is for St. Louis. Even now, he was instant offense as a player because he criticized the league and the yeah. commissioner and the, the coach and, and stuff like that. And he's so funny and so genuine. Even now, and he's 60 years old, he is just a really fun guy to have. Probably, of all the people that I've covered in all of my time doing this, probably the most fun guy to gov- cover, e- either as a player or as a retired player. I think one of the the cool things is when people are auth- authentically themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't do the media speak. They don't they don't dial it back for for the media sessions and and talking on radio or TV. Uh, it seems to me that Hully is is that authentically every single day. That's who he is. He's going to tell you the truth, how he feels, and and those people are usually a lot of fun to be around. I asked him what his favorite all-time golf trip was, and he gives me the and it's perfect. He said, "You know, it's not where you go; 
it's who you're with. It's the guys, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so his favorite golf trip actually was to St. Andrews in Scotland. The players were locked out uh, for a whole season by okay. the NHL. And Hully, what, with Gretzky and McSorley and a couple of other guys, they go to Scotland and play the best courses over there. That's cool. Must have been unbelievable. That had to be. For me, my number one was get to watch my nephew uh, play versus Carmelo Anthony's son's team in the best uh, Bass Pro Shop Tournament of Champions, a tournament that they actually won in Springfield, Missouri. It's uh, some of the top teams in the country. Uh, my nephew is a sophomore on the team. He's one of the top sophomores in the country. He's ranked, I think, top 10. Has offers from Illinois, Mizzou, uh, Kentucky, Kansas. Um, and he's the sixth or seventh man on this team. And let me tell you where he's a sophomore, so all of the guys over him are, are, are seniors. They're, they are committed to Oklahoma, Baylor, LSU, Two of them committed to Tennessee, and the point guard is committed to North Carolina. Wow. They are a star-studded team, and my nephew is one of the best players on that team as well. Sixth to seventh man, young guy, and I'm I'm looking forward to watching him uh, okay. continue to 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 go in his path, his career. B.J. Davis, Ray, uh, watch him, check him out. Six six, small forward, shooting guard. Gonna be very fan, very very good to watch for the next couple of years until he gets to college. All right. Question number one for Uncle Kerry: Has he asked Uncle Kerry where he should go to school? He has not. He, we have. We but don't. We, we, it's a given that well, what the answer is going to be. I, right? I would love to see him in orange and blue. Obviously, right, that, that, would be, that would be my uh, my dream. But for him, you know, it's all about just making sure he does the right things and and goes about it. And he's a he's a young man that is um, just kind of stead forward and, and keeps going in the right direction. Doesn't worry about the outside noise. He has blinders on, Randy, and he's one of those guys that I, I am – you wouldn't think he was a sophomore. I just put it to you That's that way. He's very mature and very uh, – works his butt off, so it's going to be fun to watch his, you know, his progress throughout the next few years. Question number two, how was Carmelo Anthony's son's defense? I don't think it was very good. That, well, he, I don't so know. He, he runs in the family. He, they, they, they're both him and my nephew are both sophomores, so he's still a young man. I okay. think he's about six five, six six as well. Pretty big kid, so you know they're still learning their body, still learning uh, how to play the game, and and you know it's for me just being able to see that. You know, it was like nine or ten thousand mm-hmm. people there in Springfield. Um, they were playing in Missouri State. It was it was a it was an experience. A fun experience for me to watch on TV because it was on ESPN Plus. Uh, by the way, Carmelo Anthony is a guy that's easily easy to like. He yeah. seems just like a really yeah. fun guy to be a fan. He was of. at the game too, was he? Yeah, he was at the he was at the game all weekend. The games all weekend because it was a tournament. That's so. pretty cool. Yeah. That's Carrie. I'm Randy, and that's three things we love from the weekend on 101 ESPN. Next up, did the Cardinals make an alarming admission this weekend? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. During this baseball offseason, three of the top four average annual value contracts in MLB history have been handed out. Justin Verlander to the Mets, Aaron Judge back to the Yankees, Jacob deGrom to the Rangers. Those three join Max Scherzer, who signed with the Mets last year. He has the top average annual value along with Verlander at $43,333,333 per year. Earlier this offseason... The Cardinals and President of Baseball Operations John Mozeliak promised that payroll would go up. And during this weekend, Mozeliak did indeed tell us that payroll has gone up. 
from the simple question, did payroll go up? Payroll has gone up. Do we have bandwidth to still add to this club throughout the year? Yes, we do. Is the market something that had an adverse effect to possibly us spending? The answer is of course. The way we operate is we're going to invest in what we think are smart investments, prudent, but also investments that we we understand that, that could have a backside negativity or loss. Having said that, you're still not going to just do something just to do something. And you're not going to just spend the spend. As I said earlier, you can always spend. And so I would say to our fans, look, we, we, we like our team. Like if, if we didn't like our team, we'd be making adjustments to our team because that's how we do things here. But um, resources that are available today and resources moving forward are definitely more than what they were in 2021, 2020, and 2019. Kerry, my concern here is not that the Cardinals are taking the approach of not just spending for the sake of spending. I'm on board with that. I don't do that in Mm -hmm. my financial life. But the fact that they couldn't foresee the market changing over the years, when Max Scherzer gets his contract last year, when Garrett Cole got his contract in 2020, when Carlos Correa gets one of the biggest AAVs ever last year, the fact that The Cardinals said, yeah, we're going to spend, but then were surprised by where the market went. I think a a professional in that industry should foresee where the market is going to go. So I find that part of it alarming. Well, I think the the part that I find alarming is what was the payroll last year when they when it all said and done? What was the, the final payroll? Because when you say we expect the payroll to go up after the season, you would think how much, $30 million, $20 million? You're not thinking in terms of $5 million. Right, exactly. You're thinking in at least double digits in the millions. And so I think for for if the payroll only goes up 5 to $8 million, that's not really a an increase in the mindsets of, of what St. Louisans were on the what, what St. Louisans were expecting. I think they were thinking more of the terms of, like I said, $30, $40 million increase mm-hmm. because of the amount of money that was made last season. And the Cardinals last year were 13th in payroll at $156 million. And I, I do believe that they thought that they would get to the edge of the top 10 this year, but... Which would be 180 was yeah, that, I was thinking 180-ish, 185. So you're thinking 30, 35 million in terms of, of where they were going to go. Is that right? 45 million. What, one of the, yeah, 135 million. In terms of what the, the increase would be. And if it, if that's not where the, the number that they get to, I think there's a level of frustration for Cardinals fans because we understand how the market is shifting. Teams mm-hmm. are going to have to spend more money. And we talked about this off air at some point, there's going to have to be a $300 million player in a Cardinal uniform. And if not, you're going to have a fan base that is extremely frustrated because you let great players walk out of the door and then they go other places and have and finish have, having great careers. And Mo talked about how the Cardinals want to make prudent investments, but you also need to go after the best players. So is that Cardinal model of draft, develop, be prudent, is that being tested? Well, it's it's not a, a pass fail, Derek. It's 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 understanding like the the value of what you're paying for, right? Simply put, you you either produce runs or you prevent runs. You can reverse engineer on the market what you should be paying for those based on what your payroll is or your revenues are at relative to market. Has the market moved? Yes. So, do we need to change the uh, denominator sometime? Perhaps. 
And, you know, that's something we're looking at. But that doesn't mean you're going to simply make a decision just to appease something that we didn't really believe was going to marginally or, or I should say incrementally change our club or make ourselves better. The way I look at this, Carrie, is from a normal individual consumer's standpoint. All right. I want to buy a Honda from Bomberito Honda up in North County. Okay. And two years ago, that Honda was $24,000. Now that same vehicle is $30,000. Well, I'm going to have to swim in different waters than mm-hmm. I planned on swimming in. Yeah. I, I can't do what I tried to do two years ago and get into the same vehicle now. And that's where the Cardinals are. If you want to get into the same vehicle, the, the, this being your the, on-field product, yeah. you're going to have to pay more than you did two years ago, and you're going to have to change your approach. Because numbers are going up. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think, in fairness, you— you may say they they should have known that the numbers that the landscape was going to change and numbers were going to kind of skyrocket in the way that they did. Even if you don't know or weren't expecting that, now that you do know that that's the case, you got to play ball where you, mm-hmm. you got to play with the cards that you're dealt. And so, as I said, if you had the uh, the the explanation that the payroll will go up and that's the that's what you left the season explaining to St. Louisans and St. Louis fans. And to not have it go up and increase in a in a drastic amount more so than what we think it will be, I think that that leaves Cardinal fans to be very frustrated, and that is the reason why people tend to question Mo and what he's doing because you can't. It's almost like a child. You can't tell a child, "Hey, we're going to go to Disney World on Friday," and then Friday comes, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we'll just go to Six Flags instead." Wait, what? No, it's still a theme park, <laughs> but it's not the theme park that you told me I was going to. And so there's a level of frustration for those people when you say certain things and you don't finish and come through with them. And I don't think anybody wants the Cardinals. Well, I'm not going to say anybody. There are people that do want them to spend just so that they have a higher payroll. They, they would prefer that the Cardinals give just so that they can say the Cardinals have a higher payroll, give more money out. And the Cardinals would be able to do that. But I think what fans want is tangible greatness that you can see. Ben Fred wrote this weekend at the post-dispatch sdltoday.com about how the Justin Verlander contract that the Mets gave to Verlander, who wanted to be in New York, but that's a good contract. The $43 million a year for two years, that's a good contract to have on your books because it expires right. in two years. That's the sort of thing that many, many, many Cardinal fans were hoping for. I was hoping my sense were set a lot lower. I would have liked to have had Jose Quintana back yeah. at 26 over yeah. two. Yeah. And the Cardinals didn't go there either. So I do think ultimately one of two things is going to have to happen. Either they're going to have to change their philosophy. And baseball has changed their philosophy. That's the biggest thing here is when the, Bill DeWitt brought Jeff Luno in. In 2003, he said, I want to put a price tag on every single player. I want to have numbers that put a price tag on every single player. And the Cardinals still have that price tag on every single player. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, everybody in baseball did that for a long time. But then Steve Cohen came along with the Mets. And then Peter Seidler came along with the Padres. And they start bidding higher than what the price tag was. So the Cardinals model has inherently changed because what they thought was something that everybody was doing was in place. 
That's not happening anymore, and the market has changed because of those two owners. Yeah, when you have people that are willing to bid higher than than what is required or what is asked, they're they're generally going to change the landscape and the and the market sets for how the market, it, right? it sets the market for how people are, are viewed. I will say this in in Mo's defense, and and maybe the thought process is if you have a Tyler O'Neill and he's valued at this number, or you have a, a Dylan Carlson, he's valued at this number, but he's also but they're being paid much lower than than what they're valued as and the same with Jack Flaherty. Mm-hmm. Maybe you feel like you have the pieces in place to be able to go forward and do the things that you need to do because those guys say they're $20 million a year players on that list that you're speaking about, but you're only paying them $6 million. Well, you're actually you're winning in that regard because you you got guys that are valued much higher, but you're paying much less for them. And maybe that's the thought process, but at the same time, with all of that being said, when you say you're going to increase the payroll, people expect it to be yeah. increased, and people expect some name guys to be in here in a Cardinal uniform playing baseball in the summer of 23. There's your bottom line. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN coming up. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, uh, 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YO-HO. Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Kerry, Randy, Matthew, with you. Time for Teoli, 314-399-9646. Kerry, CBSSports.com reporting that the Las Vegas Raiders plan to, quote, aggressively pursue Tom Brady for the 2023 season. Take it or leave it. Brady with Josh McDaniels in Vegas with the talent around him would produce a Super Bowl. Oh. I'm, Keep in mind the division he's that's in. The, that's, the, that's the main thing that came to my mind. I'm going to leave that. Because if you're in the AFC West, that is a tough division. And um, if the Broncos can figure anything out at the quarterback position, get a coach in there that can uh, correct Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. that team will be a tough team to beat as well. I, I'm going to leave that because that's a very tough division to win in. Can you imagine if Sean Payton winds up with the Chargers? And you've got Andy Reid, and you've got Sean Payton, and we know that the Broncos are going all in on an expensive new head coach. Uh, and then, it, obviously, Josh McDaniels. Brady would be the offensive coordinator, obviously. I think it would be really interesting, but I'm going to leave it, too. I don't think that in that environment, the 46-year-old Tom Brady would be able to lead them to a Super Bowl. I don't either. Uh, Randy, after watching the 49ers play as well as they did um, this weekend— mm-hmm. And seeing how well the Kansas City Chiefs have played pretty much all season, take it or leave it, we're on a crash course for those two teams to meet in the Super Bowl again. I'm going to take it. Yeah, that is 2019 all over again. It's right there. We're on our way. I do think that Buffalo and Kansas City at a neutral site, I'll give Buffalo a a chance. That's Atlanta, by the way, right? Yeah. I don't even know if Buffalo makes it out of – I mean, I know they're going to have a whole lot of – Energy in that in that stadium on on Saturday or Sunday I think they play um, versus the 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 Bengals, 
But if Josh Allen doesn't take care of the football, I don't even know if the Buffalo Bills make it to the AFC Championship game because he's turning the ball over way he too is. much. Yeah. And by the way, you've played with the bye. The bye makes such a big difference. And having only one team have a bye is huge, isn't it? Yes, it is. Because we were the number two seed the year we won the Super Bowl. Uh, and we had that bye. And it was it was... It was much needed. We we had the bye when I was in Atlanta, and we were the number two seed as well. We had to go to the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. The the bye is the best thing you got going because it gives you a week off and <laughs> gives your mind time to just rest and watch football and see what other people are doing. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and your text three one four three nine 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 six four six. Matthew, what do you got? Take it or leave it. Allen is going to throw a pick against Casey late in the AFC title game. Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. I'm kind of with Kerry here. I wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati goes into Buffalo and wins that game. Cincinnati's really, really good. The the matchup, the anticipation for this matchup, obviously we know what happened the last two times these two teams took the field. It's going to be it's going to be extremely it's gonna be loud, Randy. I think it's gonna be a great game, but I think it, it is gonna come down to taking care of the football. Joe Burrow takes better care of the football than uh than Josh Allen does right now, and and that's the one hindrance that he has is He's a big fella. He thinks he can throw. He thinks he can throw it into any 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 window, no matter how how tight the window is. And when he gets hit, sometimes he fumbles the ball way more than he should. Those are the things that are going to keep that Buffalo Bills team from from being successful. And like you said, they're going to introduce the defense, right? Yeah. And who's are. the last defensive player that's going to oh, be introduced? Demar Hamlin. Yeah, it's going to be bananas. It's going to be bonkers. Yes. It, it, I, I I am I am and it's funny I thought that you know prior to that game versus the Dolphins they actually showed the introductions thinking that maybe mm-hmm. they were going to announce the defense but they announced the offense they usually flip flop week to week yeah. so defense will be next week uh, take it or leave it the Blues will miss the playoffs if they don't win seven out of their next ten games yeah I'll take it uh, I think it's going to be hard even if they did. Yeah, I was going to say, even if they did make win those 7 out of 10, it, it's just been an intriguing year for the St. Louis Blues. I'll just – that's probably the best way I can put it. That's <laughs> intriguing. Yeah, right. you, it's, a, it's funny because last week, right before the second Calgary game, we were saying, man, beat Calgary, and you're all of a sudden in a, in a wild card spot, and now they're six points out of a wild card yeah. spot. Take it or leave it. With all the foolish moves and poor clock management, Sean Payton should have several offers this weekend. Denver, San Diego, Minnesota, Miami, to name a few, should all be raising the bar and looking at Payton. Minnesota won't be. That's a little harsh. Yeah, Minnesota yeah. won't be. They had a great season. They just well, could. That, their defense stunk. Yeah. All year, and that kind of that was the Achilles heel for that team. They they couldn't play defense well, but. If you are the Los Angeles Chargers and you think that going forward with Brandon Staley is the answer, whew, good luck to you. And I don't think Miami will move on from Mike McDaniel that quickly. Unless it was Jim Harbaugh, right, at the right price because Stephen Ross is such a Michigan man. But it, to have that team be that close with what he had on hand, they didn't have Byron Jones all year long. He's one of the best corners in the league. Their offensive line was in and out. Now, could they have done things differently a little bit yesterday? And should there have been some situational, uh, uh, some details that were better? Yes. But he's a first-year head coach. Yeah. And that happens sometimes with a first-year head coach. I think that what they have with Mike Bedanian is, is the perfect balance for what that team is. They're, they're going to need to run the ball a little bit better. 
Um, they got two track guys in Mostert and, mm-hmm. and Jeff Wilson. They they might need a guy that <laughs> puts his head down and goes and gets those two or three yards. But I like what they were able to do offensively all year long with two in there. You tell me that they go into Buffalo and lose by three with Skylar Thompson, a quarterback. I say, hey, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Take it or leave it. Cowboys win their game tonight by double digits. Leave, leave it. it. Okay, then. <laughs> do they win their game tonight at all? No. Ho, 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 ho. I I don't think so either, I, I, because Dak is a turnover machine, and if he throws it to the other team, he's kind of of that mindset forcing things that that don't need to be forced. And this is this is where coaching falls into it. Like I said, Cooper Rush had they they had the perfect game plan for Cooper Rush, and I said if they decide to stick with that game plan, they can win a championship. And now they want to have Dak throwing it 35, 40 times, and that's not a recipe for success. And I think the coaching matchup here is. How does Dallas get pressure up the middle? Because the Buccaneers' offensive line in the middle is still vulnerable. I kind of think I would have Micah Parsons stunting inside and do everything I could to get pressure on Brady up the middle. If they can do that and just suppress the the offense of the Buccaneers, I think Dallas has the the chance. I think if Dallas is going to win this game, it's going to be because of their defense. That has always been the uh, the Achilles heel for Brady, pressure right up the middle where he can't step into the pocket. He's not going to scramble and, and, and get outside of the pocket and make throws. So if you get pressure up the middle, he has a tough time being successful. Taylor, leave it. Monday night playoff games are dumb. I'm going to leave that. I think they're fun. I, I think they're fun for us as fans, but I think the competitive edge that an extra that a team gets with an extra day off of rest if you win that game, all of those things matter. You got less days to prepare if you play Monday night and you got a team that played on and you're going to play on the following Sunday. I think that's a it's an unfair advantage. Extra day. Don't like it. Especially play better. Playoffs. Right. Play better during the I regular agree. season. Take it or leave it. Baseball is much better for having the Padres and Mets owners push the overall. Money. Take it. I'll take it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be much more interesting to see how the Mets perform and see how the Padres perform with all the money that they're spending. And as we've seen for the last dozen years, every single year, the Dodgers and the Yankees have been the highest paid teams. Every single year, it's been Yankees or Dodgers top two in payroll for the last dozen years. And they have one World Series championship to show for it. I get excited when I when I envision meetings of of the owners of, of franchises. Oh yeah, we're gonna value all of these guys at this level, and everyone leaves the room, and they're all you know on one accord. And then one or two guys say, "Yeah, the hell with what those guys are talking. I'm gonna do my own thing, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna spend money. It's my money. I'm gonna spend it how I want to spend it." And then I just imagine the other other owners of other franchises just frustrated and calling each other names like they're like they're twelve year old kids. <laughs> Sending, they got a group thread of text messages between owners. Can you believe this freaking guy? This guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's Carrie. I'm Randy, and that is Tioli on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our biggest takeaway from Wild Card Weekend here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Broadcasting from the Car Shield Studio, this is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app.
The NFL Wild Card Weekend concludes tonight with Monday Night Football Dallas at Tampa Bay. You can see that, of course, on ESPN with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Carry a couple of things from my weekend of viewing the NFL. Number one, the seating generally works out right. Last year in the first round of the playoffs, the home team went 5-1, and one, the, mm-hmm. the team with the higher seed. This year, heading into tonight... The home teams are 4-1. and one. We'll see if Tampa Bay can win at home. But the only home team to lose was Minnesota to the Giants. So it seems like the best teams over the course of 17 games are succeeding come playoff time as well. The other thing that I took away from the weekend is that even come playoff time, and we saw for the last six or seven games of the season, statistically, Trevor Lawrence was the best quarterback mm-hmm. in the league. The other night, after Jacksonville fell behind 27 to nothing. Well, let me give you his before they f- 27 nothing. Before they fell behind 27 nothing, he was 4 of 19 for 35 yards and four interceptions. It's not great. He had 4 of 19, four completions and four interceptions. Yes, he okay. did. Okay. Yes, making sure we got that out there and got that correct. After they were down <laughs> 27 to nothing, Trevor Lawrence went 24 of 28 for 253 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. That matters. (laughs) (laughs) He figured it out. He he was able to figure it out. Um, And whatever the Los Angeles Chargers were doing prior to him figuring out, they should have tried to continue to do that. There are things that happen sometimes in football where the opposition, it's kind of like... Somebody learned how to putt. Yeah, right. And you, you watch a performance like that, yeah. you're the rest of the NFL, and you say, uh-oh. Yes, you do. I, we, we, we've been talking about you know this AFC class of quarterbacks and, and really how well, who's going to be the Hall of Famer eventually, mm-hmm. who's going to get the number of Pro Bowls, because there are going to be some guys that, that aren't able to to get into that Pro Bowl uh, discussion because of the top the, the, the top three quarterbacks in Burrow, um, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. And then you got Justin Herbert, and you got Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence was able to outduel Justin Herbert the other night and, and played a better game despite throwing four interceptions. How, how can, can, you, can you really say that the quarterback that threw four interceptions played the better game than the quarterback that didn't, but he but he did, and they, he mm-hmm. led him back to a win. And um, you know, Justin Herbert was twenty five for forty three with one touchdown. Trevor Lawrence was 25, 28 for forty seven with four touchdowns, four interceptions, and two hundred eighty eight yards. He had twelve more yards, eleven more yards than 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 Justin Herbert did. And so when I'm watching that game, I'm saying, wow, that is that is. Something that I don't think I've ever seen or will ever see again, a quarterback throw four interceptions in the first half and then be able to come back and win the football game. It's amazing. Okay, I want to do a quick quiz here, okay? Okay. Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Those Mm -hmm. five, okay? You would take those five over Jalen Hurts. I may not take uh, Trevor. This is even though I just said everything I said, mm-hmm. said about the game last night, uh, the other night. I don't think I would take Trevor Lawrence over Justin Hurt. Okay, uh, Jalen Hurts. Okay, so let's just presume that Trevor Lawrence is the bottom of those five. Okay, Lawrence or Dak? Lawrence. Lawrence or uh, Daniel Jones? Lawrence. Lawrence or anybody Washington puts out there? Lawrence. Lawrence or Cousins? Lawrence. Lawrence or uh, Jared Goff? Lawrence. Lawrence or Aaron Rodgers? This is your starting team right now. Aaron Rodgers. Right really? now. Okay. I would still take Aaron Rodgers. Okay. I think he just lacked the 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 uh receiver that okay. the receivers that he needed. Lawrence or Justin Fields? 
Lawrence. Lawrence or Brady? Lawrence. Lawrence or anybody Carolina trots out there? Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence or Andy Dalton? Lawrence. Lawrence or uh, Desmond Ritter? Lawrence. Lawrence or Brock Purdy? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> the Niners trade Brock Purdy for Trevor Lawrence now, today. You think so? Yeah, they do. Ugh. They do. I, I would say Brock Purdy. Okay. I think just based off of these, the, the what I've seen from him, he he seems like he does not get rattled one bit. Okay. Trevor or Geno Smith? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor or Matthew Stafford? Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor or Kyler? Trevor Lawrence. So we've got three NFC teams where... The top five in the AFC yeah. are probably better than yeah. thirteen or yeah. Well, no, that's not right. Twelve of the NFC team. No, yes. thirteen of the NFC yeah. teams. The the top five quarterbacks in the AFC are better than thirteen of the sixteen. I, teams. I would agree with that. I, I think so. I, so I said they are so top heavy in that AFC. It's going to be hard for them to find Pro Bowls and find mm-hmm. a way to make it. I mean, I think they'll still make it into the Hall of Fame, but it'll just be one of those things where you got to look at who they were playing with in their in their conference those years because you know the numbers for Pro Bowls won't be there. We could go on a run where the AFC wins the Super Bowl like seven or eight, nine years in a row. Yeah, based on the quarterback play, yep. and 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 we still, I think you know as much as I hate to say it, Deshaun Watson, if he ever figures out. How to play football again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, there's another be, one. There's another one. That, and <laughs> Lamar, yeah, Lamar Jackson, yeah, a healthy Lamar Jackson. Those are that's like seven quarterbacks in the AFC that you look at and say could easily be, you know, Pro Bowlers every single yeah. year. Yeah, that, that's a that's a heavy heavy conference. Your biggest takeaway from the weekend? My biggest takeaway was, as I said, just how how dominant the San Francisco 49ers were. That to me was was eye opening. It was it was one of those things, you know. You've watched Brock Purdy play the entire season, and or the last the five games I think that he started, and you say, okay, this team can can be successful. But I don't think we thought that he would not be rattled at any point. And there were, you know, there was time times where he was getting pressure on him from Seattle, and he able to spin out of the pocket, roll out of the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, make big throws, and make the right decision, whether it be throwing it downfield, throwing it out of bounds. He did not get rattled, and he has – Randy, there's there's a thing. There, I, I pay attention to people's faces mm-hmm. when I'm watching the game, and, and that'll tell you a lot. If their eyes are big or if you can you can kind of tell if they're, they're, they're out of sorts a little bit trying to figure out what the defense is doing to him. He's got an even kill disposition the entire mm-hmm. time where it's never high, never low. It was it was interesting when he threw the touchdown, I think, to Elijah Mitchell. He beat his chest yeah, like that. Yeah, like it was he, great. That was, that was the most emotion that I've seen out of him. And so for me to see that, oh, he does have a little bit to him. Yeah. That, that team was the most dominant team of the weekend, and it wasn't close. And I think that they're going to continue to roll throughout the playoffs. And how fun was it to see his reaction after he found out that LeBron had tweeted about him? Did he? he said, oh. <laughs> uh, somebody asked him in the press conference. He said, yeah. So LeBron tweeted, Purdy can play. And somebody mentioned it in the postgame press conference. He said, that's sweet. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to show Kerry. I want you to do a Twitter search, if you're listening. Uh, do a Twitter search for Bosa Staley helmet and watch Bosa spike his helmet. Now watch Brandon Staley pick it up. Okay, picks it up, hands it to Bosa. Okay, and Brandon Staley comes back <laughs> Bosa spikes it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think as the head coach it's your duty no. to be picking up helmets. That man threw it down, let that man pick it up or, or someone else will get it. I'm, I'm not... 
I'm more concerned with the penalty that you just got. Yeah, me that, too. That is going to cost us some. Uh, and kind of cost us a game. It, it did because they went for two on that. Yep. Correct. Instead of going for for the field goal because they got closer, which gave them an opportunity to kick the the, the game winning field goal at the end. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues in action tonight against the Ottawa Senators. We're going to talk to the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber. Next, stick around. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101. ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Chris Kerber and John Kelly did a sensational job of emceeing the Blues Hall of Fame induction on Friday night. And the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber, joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Kerbs, good morning and congratulations on an entire evening that I thought was spectacularly produced. Caruso, Trevor. Yep. There you go. We got you. I think they just clicked me on there. Yep. Uh, hey, thanks, Randy. Uh, you know, Mike Caruso, Trevor Nickerson, Randy Gersh, their, their entire teams and crews that uh, spent uh, months and months and, frankly, a couple, a couple years planning that thing. And it, uh, it was so neat and a privilege to be a part of, uh, to, to walk through some Blues history like that, wasn't it? Was, it, it was quite a show. And there, there are so many entertaining people. And for 89-year-old Scotty Bowman to be as sharp as he is and have the memory that he has and the detail that he has with his stories, and yes, the stories went long, but he's 89 years old and he's sharp as a tack, so that's going to happen. But, man, I was so impressed by Scotty the other night. He, he told the one story, and, and at one point in time, you're just amazed with the detail that was coming out. I mean, he was basically, he took over the team after 16 games. Remember that first year, Lynn Patrick was actually the first coach of the Blues, coached the first 16 games, and then Scotty took over from there. And, uh, and and the Blues were actually the first team to have a second coach on the bench, and that that was that happened in 67-68. Scotty would kind of handle the defense side of things. And he kept, he was going on. So at one point I'm like, man, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> you know, like, I literally did. Because now, because when, when you're emceeing that thing, you're tuned in, we had an IFB because the thing was being uh, televised on the Bally Sports app, and uh, and and you're you're watching everybody's reaction. So and you know at one point someone was like, you know, how long is he going to go? And you're just like, I don't know, but the detail that he's remembering something that this is the winningest coach in the history of the game. And we were talking basically about like game number sixty three, mm-hmm. and he remembered it like I mean, the, the way golfers describe you know entire holes yeah. in tournaments forty years ago. Like it's just amazing. Hey, Curbs, when you're in those rooms with, with those guys, legends, normally there are many stories being told. Were there any stories that you learned over this weekend that maybe you hadn't known or, or had never heard? Well, some of the ones from, from Scotty, yeah, but just, for example, how, you know, the the trade uh, the, the trade that brought Red Berenson and Barkley Plager to the St. Louis Blues to get both of those guys in one trade, you know, was was quite an impressive one. You know, Scotty was in the office the day before or earlier in the day and, and talked to our entire organization and 
when he first saw a picture of, of Barkley Plager, he just said, he said, man, that guy was tough. I had him in Peterborough, and, and he just described some things. And th- that that was the kind of stuff, uh, Kerry, that really just jumped off the page at you. It, you know, and, and when when you get a chance to talk to all of them, you know, and, and this includes just, you know, Brett Hall, Al McInnes, you know, even even the more recent ones, they just they talk about the fan base in this town and just how, how great it made it to play. Because most of those guys, actually, now that I, you know, I really think about it, all of those guys, you know, played on some, some pretty good winning teams. You know, some teams that, that, that had a chance. You had, you know, the, the retired number guys, you know, had you know, basically all those guys were part of the early 2000 team, you know, or what Brett Hall did when Brett Hall was here. Bernie Federico had that early 80s team that he was on, plus he was the, Bernie, he was the part of the group that started the the twenty five year consecutive run to the playoffs. Right. All the early groups uh, were part of the the three straight trips to the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, there was a there was a lot of winning going on with those guys. Even though you know, I, I realize none of them actually won the Stanley Cup in those eras. But uh, you know, some puck luck I think got in the way of some of that stuff. But I mean, really, some some great eras of hockey. Curbs, let's touch on the 2022-2023 edition of the Blues. No surprise that they fell to Tampa Bay on Saturday night. Tampa Bay is still elite. But the the standings are so mercurial, and now we sit here with the Blues looking up at a six-point deficit to get into the playoffs. They really need to go on a run, and we're going to find out what they're capable of uh, here in the next four games on this homestand, but this short stretch ahead of them really is going to tell whether or not they're a playoff team or not. Uh, It it really is. Uh, They haven't really shown that they are yet. They've shown that they could be knocking on the door. I mean, that's there's just the black and white reality of what we're seeing. I mean, you've got to, you you kind of got to go to the old Dennis Green here, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you know right. don't you? Or or or, or uh, you know, we are what they thought was said they are, or something like that. <laughs> or you know, the uh, was was it Bill Parcells helped me out or that you know you are uh, what your record says you are. Yep, you are what your record says you are, and and you know, and and that's what it is. Look, I know you're not surprised that you lose to Tampa Bay in the game. But there's just some things you're seeing in the team game that that make you scratch your head, makes the coaches scratch their head. You know, plays where you're the fastest guy on your team has got a five foot lead racing for a puck in the offensive zone that just stops skating, and and gives and what, and what could have been a potential chance at the net turned turned into a scoring chance on the other end of the ice because of a line change. Like there are just things like that and. Man, I, I, the only thing I keep going to is it's growing pains, and you're seeing a real good idea of what type of growing pains you're going to go through for a little while when you don't have the veteran guys like O'Reilly and Tarasenko and Krug and, you know, for a few games in there, letting when you don't have veteran players in the lineup. Now, now, having said that, you know, if you go back and you look at those goals against Tampa Bay, Justin Falk was on the ice, you know, for, for three of them. And and it was uh, and three of them were were his guy, or the guy that at least he was marking right there. Like so, it, when things are clicking on one end, then it, it, it just hasn't come together yet, Randy. For some reason, as an entire team through the first half of the season, and we've started the second half. So you're absolutely right. I mean, the, these next four games are going to be are going to be mammoth. To the end of this month, I think is going to be really key. And uh, and they've got to find a way to put it together. But it, but it's simply going to mean 
It's simply going to mean guys have to come ready to play and play the right way, or it just won't happen. And by the way, the schedule that Curbs refers to the rest of this month, Ottawa tonight here at home, then Nashville, Chicago, Buffalo here at home, at Arizona, at Colorado, at Winnipeg, all winnable games. Hey, Curbs, are you surprised that Vladdy is back on the ice uh, practicing already and, and maybe returning pretty soon? No, dang it, I'm glad to see it. Now, I, I was surprised, Kerry, uh, from the standpoint of, you know, they, they talked about his week, his injury being a four-week injury. And uh, we're, you know, if he, he won't come back tonight, but let's say he comes back sometime on this homestand. If it's, if it's Saturday against Chicago, you know, that's at the end of three weeks. So, I mean, I, that, that you could see. But, yeah, they, need to, they, they just need to get a couple of these guys back in the lineup if, if they're going to, you know, make some hay this year. They're not, they're not deep enough to handle losing that many top guys. Frankly, very few teams in the National Hockey League are. And they're not experienced enough with the next wave and the next core coming into the Blues, I, I think to consistently give you the kind of game you're going to need to win and climb back in it. But as Randy started off and saying, you know, you beat you beat Calgary that first game in overtime. If if on Thursday night you'd beaten Calgary, you're tied. You know, you're tied for the top wild card spot. Here it is, a few days later, and as Randy said, you're six points out looking up. I mean, that's a that, that's how quickly it could it can swing on you. Hey, Curves, you talked about the style of play, and, and for me, when I'm watching them, it seems like there's a, a need for a little bit more grit, maybe a, a tough guy that, you know, doesn't allow uh, his teammates or himself to be pushed around. Do, does this team have that, or, or is there a way for them to find that type of player and go get that type of guy? This team needs somebody like that to some degree. But, and whether it's, it's, it's not tough guy in the old school way yeah, of looking yeah. at it, but it is the – they need they need some kind of level of energy getter in there and uh, um, and and I think a veteran guy and honestly no they haven't had they haven't had it since they didn't resign Pat Maroon I, I think there's definitely been a characteristic that's been missing since he left that that he brought a little bit of that swagger you know there's nobody really to bark down the bench and and you know and make something happen but you know the other thing that that we saw guys I, I think and it really showed its reared its head in that Tampa Bay game. Tampa Bay has got some good skill and some good depth, but you could see them playing that team style of game. The Blues don't play that team style of game right now. You've got three different lines, four different lines really, but I'll, I'll at least lump lines three and four in the same way that seem to be playing three different styles of hockey. You've got uh, you've got a very right now it appears to be a one dimensional line and a rush line with Thomas Cairo and Butch Navich. It's get it into the zone, and then they're chasing it back out if they don't get that one chance. They haven't found a way that line to extend you know, zone time. You've got the Shen line that gets it in. They try to extend the zone time. Maybe don't get the puck to the net quite as much. And then you've got your energy on your, your next two lines in the last couple of games. I think your fourth line's probably been your best line. And so uh, until they – and the problem with that is it's not lending to enough predictability in the game. Uh, to where, you know, one line's coming on knowing exactly where, you know, you're not leaving that next line in a better spot. And it, and it really is hard to get momentum going in there. So um, that, that that's what I really, you know, think you see. And, and as you're getting 19, 20 minutes now for Thomas and Kairou's line with those other guys out, that line's getting the top key defensive matchups. That line's getting the top key forward matchups. And, and, that line's get those guys are getting some experience that they have not had before, and you have to go through those growing pains to learn and grow from that. And when that happens, you're going to see some of these really good games, 
and then some of these games that dip into the valley, and that's that's actually quite normal. Hey, Curbs, one last thing before we let you go, and I want to circle back to the Hall of Fame induction, which will be shown on Bally pretty soon. I don't know if we have a d- definite date for when the Hall of Fame we, okay, yeah. but one of my favorite things was Brett Hull's story about how when he first gets to the Red Wings, he goes into Scotty Bowman's office just to sit around and, and cut it up and, and chat with Scotty. And then he says, yeah, we got the game coming up. I got to go out and put my stuff on and get ready for the game. He goes out to the dressing room, sits down, and a guy says, you were just in talking to coach? And Holly said, well, yeah, he's, he's the coach. The guy said, I've been here 10 years, and I've never gone into the coach's <laughs> office and talked to him. <laughs> so classical. And, and Brett says, that's because he doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> classic, classic Holly. It was beautiful. And, uh, again, great job by you and J.K. and everybody involved. Congratulations to the Blues. And this will be a great annual event. Yeah, it's going to be something great. Randy, if, for those that don't know, Randy's part of the committee that uh, they put together to help determine, you know, candidates and stuff for it. So it's really so well thought through and, and thought of. And, the, man, the, the, the guys just absolutely loved it. The season ticket holders loved it. We did a couple other events surrounding it. It was really, really a special weekend. So thank you very much for being a part of that, Randy. And, uh, hey, let's let's turn it around tonight. Let's get uh, let's keep Brady Kachuk and the Ottawa Senators intact and uh, finish this homestand off right. You got that right. Curbs, have a great day. Thank you. Okay, guys, have an awesome week. You too. That is the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN, the one and the only Chris Kerber. Coming up next, we've got the – you got a fighter? We need one. We need a fight, fighter. So text in 65780 with the word fight. Not 65780. Oh, that's right. It's 314-399-9646. Thank you very much no for problem. catching that. No problem. That's, uh, you say 65780 for 14 years. It kind of becomes a habit. 314-399-YO-HO. If you want to fight me, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Welcome back to the opening drive. I am Terry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Dan or Dan B. Which one do you prefer, Dan? You you, you put you put Dan B on the text line, so I want to make sure we we call you by the right name. Dan's cool. Dan's fine. Thank Dan, you. Uh, we, well, Rock said maybe you have a bunch of Dans in your life, and sometimes when you text in, you got to say Dan A, Dan B. So we didn't know which one it was. So Dan, how are you feeling today? Are you you ready to roll? I'm ready. Thank you, Mr. Davis. How's it going? I'm doing well. Ready? I'm I'm ready as well. Not not as ready as you need to be because I'm I'm not the one fighting. But it's Monday. <laughs> yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous. So here we're gonna take a deep breath. We're gonna answer the questions. We're gonna think these things through, and we're gonna give our best effort. And then you know, Mega Mind has days where he's not off, where he's not on. He's he's been on all year thus far, though. So. Yes, yeah, Dan. Dan, the last person to make it the Hall of Fame was January nineteenth, twenty twenty-two. So if you win today, you would be in line to be the only Hall of Famer in a three hundred sixty-five day count since the last winner. Have we had a winner this year? Uh, we've not. Uh, no, we've not had a winner. We this haven't year. had a winner yet this year. So Dan, it's on you. Let's go. You ready? Yeah. 
You can do yeah, it. I'm a- All right. Happy birthday to Joe Horn. Horn literally pulled out one of the more innovative celebrations in NFL history when he used what prop in his touchdown celebration versus the Giants in late 2003? Was it a megaphone, a Hall of Fame jacket, or a cell phone? Cell phone. <laughs> Speaking of which, other than Bob Gibson, who is the only other Cardinals pitcher to win an NL MVP award? Is that Bob Forsh, Steve Carlton, or Dizzy Dean? Steve Carlton. All right, Dan. Albert Pujols was the outright home run leader for the Cardinals in 10 of his 11 seasons during his first Cardinals stint. The outlier being the 2008 season when he tied for the team lead at 37 with which Cardinal? Was it Ryan Ludwig, Chris Duncan, or Troy Glouse? Troy Glouse. All right, and while not as long as the drought in the NFL, there have been almost 20 straight Hart Trophy winners since the last NHL MVP also lifted the Stanley Cup in the same season. What team was he on to last accomplish that feat? Was it the Carolina Hurricanes, the New Jersey Devils, or the Tampa Bay Lightning? Uh, no clue. Can you repeat the options one more time, please? The Carolina Hurricanes, the New Jersey Devils, or the Tampa Bay Lightning? I'm going to go with the Devils. All right, we'll double-check our score and go get Mr. Randy Carricker. Dan, how you feeling? <laughs> Not great. <laughs> Not great. Any any sport in particular is your wheelhouse and, and, and some that are not? Um, I like... Uh, not, not hockey. Hockey's not my best. I like football and baseball. Football and yeah. baseball are your wheelhouse. Hockey is is kind of leaves you leaves you out there out there to dry a little bit. Randy, say hello yeah. to Dan. Dan, Dan, Dan. Welcome to the show. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Thank you. Good morning, Randy. How's it going? Everything's great. Thank you very much for tuning in and being a part of this. You Thank ready? You. you ready to go now, Randy? You haven't lost yet in 2023. Is that correct? Is that true? I, have not, I think so. Not like one. I don't think you've lost one time. Wow! So there's there's a there's pressure mounting up. I'm going to remind <laughs> you, just you of this. Put for the pressure on me, big boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to remind you of this every so often, just so we can we can you know keep it keep it nice and loose in here. Okay, yeah, that's great. I'm really loose. <laughs> All right, ready? Here we go. Okay. Happy birthday to Joe Horn. Horn literally pulled out one of the more innovative celebrations in NFL history when he used which prop in his touchdown celebration versus the Giants in late 2003. It was a Sunday night game, and he put a flip phone under the pad of the goalpost and scored a touchdown. Went and grabbed the phone and acted like he was talking on. The- Actually, he said he did talk to his kids. And then they wound up selling the phone at auction for a bunch of money too. Really? Yeah. After he didn't wasn't using it anymore. I think he yeah, got fined thirty grand. Yeah, I think 30, when they sold geez. it, yeah, he may not have cleared it, so he let, had like a bunch of Saints people's phone numbers on the phone. <laughs> That's even better. Uh, Randy, other than Bob Gibson, who was the only other Cardinals pitcher to win an NL MVP award? That would have been Dizzy Dean, old Diz. Albert Pujols was the outright home run leader for the Cardinals in ten of his eleven seasons during his first stint. Which the only outlier being 2008 when he tied for the team lead with 37 with which other cardinal? Ryan Ludwig. Luddy. Right, Randy. And while not as long as the drought in the NFL, there have been almost 20 straight Hart Trophy winners since the last NHL MVP also the lift, lifted the Stanley Cup in the same season. Okay. On what on what team did the last NHL MVP win the Stanley Cup in the same season? 
on what team did the last NHL MVP win the Stanley Cup in the same season? Okay, so we're talking over the last 20 years, yes. right? So we go back to 02. Hmm. And I'm I'm going to guess that it's probably in the first 5 of those 20. So you're looking at Devils never had really an MVP. Uh, Detroit um Angaheim. So when Albert went there, it was Angaheim. Um, I'll do the lifeline here, Matthew. Was it the Carolina Hurricanes, okay. the New Jersey Devils, or the Tampa Bay Lightning? I guess because I don't recall the Devils. I don't think Brodeur ever did it. I don't know if he was ever league MVP even, even though he probably should have been. Carolina, um, they had a Cam Ward, a rookie goalie. I don't know that they had an MVP on that team. Doug Waite was on that team. So I think I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Lightning just because they've, uh, well, that have been in the last few years, right? They might have won an 4 with Tortorella. I'll go with the Lightning. They've, they've won more in the last 20 years than any of those other teams, so I'll just go with them. Like we said, the last Hall of Famer was January 19th, 2022, to get into the fight. So Dan B. has a chance to be the only person in 52 weeks, a calendar year, to get into the Hall of Fame, or Randy Carricker clean sweeps an entire year, no Hall of Famers let in. So is Dan B. the chosen one, or does Randy Carricker get to raise that belt a little bit higher as he will not let in a Hall of Famer for a whole year. Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. We're on to Cincinnati. I am number one. Well, Dan, you heard from Jack Buck, a lot of post-90s luminaries, and I think one uh, star from the 1970s there at the end. So that means that Randy Carricker did, unfortunately, win today. He beat you 4-1. to one. Uh, Okay, I got one. I, I didn't feel that good. So. <laughs> He's just too good. He's too good. He's too good. Let's go through those answers. It was, of course, a cell phone that Joe Horn pulled out of that uh, stanchion uh, goalpost, if you will. Uh, and then used it to make a call, and like I said, got pulled a $30,000 fine from that one. Other than Bob Gibson, the only other Cardinals pitcher to win an NL MVP award is, in fact, Dizzy Dean. 1934 was the year he won that. Also, today would have been his birthday. Albert Pujols was the outright home run leader for the Cardinals in 10 of his
his 11 seasons in his first stint. The only outlier was 2008 when Ryan Ludwig tied him with 37 home runs. And while not as long as the drought in the NFL, there have been almost 20 straight Hart Trophy winners since the last NHL MVP also lifted the Stanley Cup. The last one to do it was Martin St. Louis mm. when the Tampa Bay Lightning won in 2002-2003. Um, so it's been a while there for the Hart Memorial Trophy. And again, a 4-1 win for Randy Dan B. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for playing today. Thank you, guys. Have good a good job, day. Dan. Get your popcorn ready. <laughs> <laughs> also a great celebration of uh, uh, for, a for a wide receiver. Yep. The best was the, the Sharpie. He pulled the sharp yeah, out, out, yeah. out of his sock. That's yeah. one of the signed best ones. It. That yeah. was that the was cell phones. The cell phones always been for me a top five one. I've always thought that one is it's so egregious. The fact that there's pre planning involved makes it all the be- much but better. You got to score in that end zone unless he you had them in both end zones. I mean, we never know. But he he that too though. <laughs> yeah. get the shot. Hey, coming up here on 101 ESPN. One more playoff game tonight. One more wild card game. Tampa Bay and Dallas. Who you got? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Monday Night Football wraps up Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will host the Dallas Cowboys. And the injury reports are out. And it looks, for the most part, CD, like the Tampa Bay Bucks will be healthy. Donovan Smith is questionable for this game. Their cornerback, Carlton Davis, is also questionable. And uh, Vita Vea, the defensive tackle, is questionable. All of those are key players. But it would be a big surprise if those guys didn't play. Cowboys only have one player on their injury list, and that's Trayvon Mullen. He's listed as out. Otherwise, Cowboys are completely healthy. They are They are healthy and and. Um, it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how what what type of game plan they come with for the Dallas Cowboys. I, I talked about it earlier. Just the number of attempts that Dak is throwing. His last three games, he's thrown 35, 41, and thirty seven. And in those last three games, he's had I want to say four or five interceptions. So if you're going to put the ball in his hands that many times and and allow him to throw the ball, understand that you know of those 35, 38 attempts a game that he's that he's throwing, one of them or two, one to two of them is going to go to the opposition. And in the playoffs, you cannot afford to turn the football over. We talked about the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Part of the reason they lost was because of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why the Jacksonville Jaguars, the reason why they were down so poorly, so badly in the first half, was because of turnovers. The reason why the Buffalo Bills were in a position to lose that game was because of turnovers of Josh Allen. If you're going to win a game, it is going to be tough to win those games on the road if you turn the football over. And that's what Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys are facing. They got to take care of the football. You got two running backs in the backfield that run it extremely well. You got a big offensive line up front. Take care of the football. Hand the ball off to those guys. Play action pass. And then you'll have your C.D. Lambs running down the field wide open. You'll have your Dalton Schultz, you know, running over the middle field in those intermediate routes wide open because of the play action pass because you run the football. If they drop back 35 times and throw the football, Tampa Bay will win this game. It does seem to me that one of the keys is going to be Vita Vea, right? Because he's a big part of that rush defense for Tampa. And if Vita Vea is in there and playing his game, and you can stop, the, at least slow them down. Yep. If you can get them into second and long, third and long, 
then you have an opportunity to get the football back because Dak is dropping back to throw it. Yeah, they they, they will have um, that that Bucks defense has been that Bucks team in general has been injured throughout the entire yeah. season. They have struggled mightily in the NFC South. They they limped into the playoffs, but they're there. And so if you are or the the thing about the playoffs, Randy is. You may be hurt, banged up, sore, knee swollen, ankles not working the way that you want them to. But something about when the playoffs start, things heal a little bit quicker. Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe it's just understanding what is at you know what is at stake in that moment. Maybe you, it's a shot. <laughs> it definitely is a shot, Randy. <laughs> if I could have got two of those things, I definitely would have. I, Randy, I have gotten in line, got my shot, gotten back in the back of the line, and then come back. Let's hey, try the other glue. Side. He didn't get me yet. He didn't go through. So, yeah, it's definitely a shot that will get those guys. It's not a shot in the arm, but it is a shot that will get those guys prepared and ready for the game. And as I said, if Dallas turns the ball over and Tampa Bay can take care of the football, uh, I'm looking at Tampa Bay winning this game. And, I, and, and you know, it's going to be a... Um, an interesting offseason for the Dallas Cowboys if they were to lose this game in, 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 in Tampa tonight. This is a Vegas thing. Dallas, because money comes in on Dallas because Cowboys fans are numerous, Dallas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. I would think that the reality of the situation is Dallas probably gets three because of the money that comes in on them. I would think the Buccaneers probably are a one-point favorite in this game. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think that they come away. And one thing about Brady is he knows about a guy like Diggs. Mm-hmm. And Diggs, while well, he makes some big plays, he allows a lot, a lot of big chances. plays, yeah. right? Takes a lot of chances, eyes in the backfield. So you have a Mike Evans and a Chris Godwin who are you know, two guys that you can go, you can take a shot at 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 um at Diggs because if you double move them, hitch and go, maybe if you run it even a little bit deeper, curl and go, something where you get a little extra time to throw deep, Diggs is going to be trying to take that, trying to get that pick and take it back to the house. Keeps his eyes in the backfield at times, and that may be an opportunity to go up top and score some touchdowns. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and coming up, we're going to talk a little baseball. Later in the show, by the way, 9 o'clock hour at 9.30, we're going to talk to comedian Sam Murill. He's coming to the pageant soon. And then at 9.45, today is the 23rd anniversary of the first NFL playoff game ever played here in St. Louis. And for a lot of people, I'm one of them, the first offensive play of that game by the Rams was one of the best moments in St. Louis sports history. The man who made it happen, Isaac Bruce, will join us coming up at 9.45. But next... John Mozeliak admitted that his future as the Cardinals president of baseball operations is murky. If he does leave, what should the Cardinals do? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, 901 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it's time for today's big thing. And Kerry, heading into the 2023 season, the Cardinals have extended Randy Flores, their assistant general manager, scouting director. They've extended Mike Gersh, their general manager. But John Mozeliak heads into 2023 in the last year of his contract. And he was asked this weekend at the winter warm-up, about that fact. 
Mr. DeWitt and I have talked about my future um, in terms of what that uh, may look like. We haven't made any determination. We're going to continue to talk about that. I think, you know, when I look at, at 2023, I'm not overly focused on my contract or, or what um, 2024 looks like yet. I'm, I'm really not. But, you know, I'm excited about getting down to Jupiter. I'm excited about 2023. But, you know, clearly, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a very important franchise. Um, I understand the importance of the St. Louis Cardinals, and you know, in terms of of how Mr. Dewitt and I work through things, um, you know, we have we have time. And uh, good news is, you know, majority of my staff is is under contract. They're they they know what's expected of them day to day. So I I don't want to be a distraction first and foremost, and um, most importantly, I'm just looking forward to the season. So. Kerry, this is a job that is almost literally a 24-7 job. Mm -hmm. When you go back to the COVID year, Mo talked about how it was a day-to-day proposition, literally a day-to-day proposition, because you didn't know what was coming up next. But in dealing with agents, in dealing with management, in dealing with your manager and your staff, there are a lot of things that go into being a president of baseball operations and a massive staff. The Cardinals have 400 employees and many, many, many of those are on the baseball side that he is in charge of. My question is this, though. When we talk about where baseball is headed and that the Cardinals are right now in the middle of the pack in payroll and they they just don't have the revenue streams that the big spending teams have, like Yankees, Mets, Dodgers, Cubs, Angels, Phillies, the Cardinals, Red Sox. Cardinals don't have those sorts of revenue streams. If it's not John Mosaloc as the president of baseball operations, should the Cardinals take more of an approach like the Tampa Bay Rays, where they don't spend as much, they don't have the stars that stick around forever, but you smartly and efficiently go through your process? There are obviously a lot of Cardinal fans that don't matter. It, it doesn't matter to them if the Cardinals have stars or not, as long as they're consistently winning. If it's just, if it's not John Mosellock. Do you promote from within or, and keep the same model, or do you hire somebody like Kevin Eibach from the Tampa Bay Rays and try to implement their model where they don't spend nearly as much but still have a level of success? I think it depends on where you see this organization going and which way you want to handle you know, your, your business. Do you you know, give in to the fact that money has to be spent in order to keep people in-house? Or do you say, you know what, that's just not who we are. That's not why we're in this business is to spend, you know, exorbitant amount of money on players for 13-year for deals. That's not our brand of baseball, and that's not our style. And I think that's kind of what it boils down to. Do, do, the, do the Cardinals decide to make that leap and make that transition? And I think the, the important thing to, to think about here is, when I think of Cardinal baseball, I think of Ozzie Smith. I think of Willie McGee. I think of Albert Pujols. Mm-hmm. I think of players that 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 played extended numbers of years in a Cardinal jersey. Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright. That's what I think. I don't think of a team that every four years you got a new first baseman or every three years you got a new shortstop or a new center fielder. Mm-hmm. You think of guys that have worn that uniform for – seven, eight, nine, ten years because that's what the tradition has taught us. We got a wall full of players, former players that 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 pictures on the wall with their jerseys and their uniforms retired. Those are the guys that I think of Cardinal baseball lifers. And so if the transition is 
we're not going to continue to be a a city that is a baseball lifer type of city. We're going to transition into, yeah, every three years you're going to have to remember, you're going to have to figure out who this new guy is. I think that's going to be hard for Cardinal fans to really digest because that's not what we've grown accustomed to. I agree. This is a franchise that since 1909, every single year, they've had a Hall of Fame player in uniform. I don't think that I know that we can't say that for the Tampa Bay Rays, but heck, we can't even say it for the San Francisco Giants who won three World Series at the beginning of the last decade. Most franchises, if any, can, I don't even think the Yankees, maybe the Yankees can say that, but certainly most franchises can't say that they've had the level of star power that the Cardinals have enjoyed over the years. But if you've got to be able to spread the wealth among players. If you have two players or three that are making, and you have uh, this year, Fangraphs estimates that the Cardinals' payroll is going to be $164 million. Mm-hmm. If you have three players that are making 70 of that, and that would be Arenado making roughly 25, uh, Goldschmidt making 25, and then Contreras making 20. So that's $60 million of $160 million payroll. So you, you for your other including your entire pitching staff, for your other 23 guys, you've got a $100 million payroll. They might find themselves in a situation with finances as as there are and revenues as the, as they are where they have to spread the wealth a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, you, you will because obviously you don't want to have to – I mean, we run into this situation with, with quarterbacks in the NFL. That's why it's so important for franchises to win in those first five years – of a rookie quarterback's career because you know that once that fifth year hits, you're going to have to pay that quarterback $200 million, $250 million, whatever the, that number is, and it's $40, $45 million a year, which obviously takes a, takes away money from the rest of your roster. That happens when you have to play a, pay a player that much. I think when you're looking at the Cardinals, though, you're going to have to find a way to, to whatever that person is, is, is required, whatever that number is. And, and the person that keeps coming to mind is Jordan Walker. If he is everything that they say he's going to be in, in when his time is, is when his, when it's time for him to sign a new contract, you cannot let a generational talent walk out mm-hmm. of the door because we don't want to pay him because we're worried about what it's going to do for the rest of the roster. We got to figure it out. And, and I think that's the name. And I don't know uh, how many years down the line, I don't know when he's going to get here to start his clock, but whenever that time comes, He's going to be the name that we look at and say, hey, this guy needs to be paid. This guy needs to be a Cardinal lifer, and we can't let him walk out of the door because we're unwilling to pay the the, the market value that he's requiring at this moment. And, Kerry, I'm thinking that the team to emulate, the approach to emulate is that of the Atlanta Braves, who this year have a $200 million payroll, but everybody is under contract long term. Mm-hmm. And they they have cost certainty basically for the next five years. The way their team is set up, Charlie Morton is signed through twenty four. He's a the next. Let me put it this way: the next player, the next big player that becomes a free agent for Atlanta is after the twenty twenty five season. Marcelo Zuna becomes a free agent. Otherwise, when you look long term. Matt Olson through 2027, Acuna through 2027, Austin Riley through at least 2027, uh, Ozzy Albies through at least 2027, Michael Harris at least through 2027, Sean Murphy at least through 2027, uh, 
Spencer Strider, at least through 2027. They've, they've got a ton of guys that are already under contract, so that they have cost certainty. I think that's yeah. what the Cardinals need to develop. They need to make sure that their young players are good. Right. People like Walker and Wynn, Edmund, O'Neill, Carlson. And then once you determine, okay, this is our guy, this is going to be one of our guys, you sign him long-term and do the same thing Atlanta did. That way you can have cost certainty. That That's the best way to go about it. And and you want to sign him, obviously, before they hit the, the free market, uh, the free agent market, because obviously the number is going to gonna drastically shoot up depending on how good or how well they're playing. Um, they, they're going to have to figure out some things in terms of what this, this organization, how they want to go about their business. And if... If Mosellock is is and maybe that's kind of the 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 tug and pull that you know one side is saying this and the other side is saying that and that may be a, a reason why there isn't a contract. And I will say this: if you are, I think it's extremely hard to work under the under the uh, with the knowledge of not having not knowing where you're going to be next year for sure. And I think that I, I know you say you show up every single day, you do your job, but if you look at any professional athlete when they are under a contract in a contract year, that there that is always going to be in your mind. And I think same thing with John Mosley. Like it's going to be something that you don't want to be a distraction, mm-hmm. but by not wanting to be a distraction, it could become a distraction, especially if things don't go well this season. And I will not be at all surprised if at the end of the season Mo does decide to do something different and maybe be a consultant or a special assistant to the chairman or something like that because he's been in the job for a long time and we tend to look just at him being in the job since 08 but he's been here since 1995 as a part of the organization and a big part of the decision making process and I'm sure that that grind does catch up with you. On the list of best job titles where does consultant sit? Is that top? It's a good title, but like, okay. I'm just saying, if you are a consultant of something, that's mean you're working five days a year, maybe? Ten? Yeah. Fifteen? But it also means that you probably failed at the real job. Mm. Well, or, or you did really well, and now you're right. just retired, and now exactly. people just call you in, hey, yeah. fix this for us. Yeah. Hey, give me 14 days and $300,000. In our industry, electronic media, radio and TV, the vast majority of consultants are failed program directors. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, you got to do something. Yeah, got to got to have a job. Yeah, it's coaching consultants. Look, look, look how many? I how, agree. How many? How many coaching consultants does Nick Saban have? Right? That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing. I'm 101 ESPN. Coming up, rock and roll. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. I want to start with this because we are celebrating the life and legacy today of Martin Luther King Jr., who was assassinated on April 4th, 1968 in Memphis, Tennessee. And Carrie, I was six when he was assassinated. I I didn't appreciate the gravity of that situation. But looking back and learning uh, about him and knowing history as we do now in 2023, I think it's one of the biggest what-ifs in the history of our country Mm -hmm. is what if 
Martin Luther King doesn't get killed and is able to accomplish many of his goals. I, I agree with you. And I think the the people or the person that, that did the assassination had that same mindset of what if this doesn't happen? What will take place? And obviously there were there were a group of people that didn't want that to happen. They didn't want him to live and, and go through his life continuing in the manner in which he was bringing people of, of both races, all races together and, and having a, a common goal and a common collective to work together as opposed to working against one another and and as i said there are there are still to this day people that still have that mindset of not working together and not being a, a yep. one group um and and it's unfortunate because we are here you know many many years later 60 years later 50 50 how many years is that 55 56 mm-hmm. years later where we're still trying to 55 uh, good math yeah, I, I, I do pretty good at math. Yeah. If, if we still tr- we're still trying to uh, bring everyone together under the same mindset, and and you know it may take another fifty five years, may take another hundred and fifty five years before everyone finally you know understands that we are all you know the people. same. We're, we're all just we're people. All people, and I think sports does a great job of bringing people together. It's the one thing that. No matter where you're from, you know, how you grew up, you, you know, the color you are, whatever, however much money you have or don't have, it's the one thing that everyone seems to agree with. We can all love the St. Louis Cardinals. We can all love, you know, the St. Louis Blues. It doesn't matter where we came from. So, um, you know, sports do that. I think Dr. King was doing that as well. But unfortunately, we are we are uh, without him and, and without many others that were have been lost throughout this time because of, you know, senseless acts of violence. Gary, I think I heard this from Chris Long, and I'm sure it's way older than than me or Chris. But he said the world needs to be an NFL locker room. It does. It does. You would. You you would be. I told you. My my Garth Brooks. I got friends in low places. Why else would I know that song other than than Aaron Smith and Brett Kiesel playing that every single Thursday? I, I wouldn't. I yep. I don't know anything about that. But I know about it because of my teammates and my brothers. They're not just teammates. They are brothers. They become family. And and you know those are two guys that are completely different than I am. Grew up completely different than I did. But I call them brothers because that's what they. They are to me. And so, you know, you you learn so much about different people and, and where they came from and how they grew up. And that's what that's what sports has done for me. And that, uh, Chris Long said it best. If the if the world was like an NFL locker room, uh, uh, it would be a better place for everyone. And we get a text three one four three nine 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 six four six. Randy, can we all love the Detroit Red Wings too? Let's not go too far here, okay? <laughs> you Come on, there, there are limits, okay? <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, there, are, there are some limits. Yeah. Yeah. Let's turn it over to Matthew. <laughs> All right, fine. It's hard for me to it's hard for me to bring in a different topic after such a serious one. So instead of going with the one I was going to, I'm gonna bring in the most ridiculous topic I can, which is one of the biggest problems in sports is the dunk contest. How can they screw it up every single year? Well, it got a little reignition over the weekend because John Morant, if you guys saw it, had a 90-degree cockback dunk, which was absolutely ridiculous. He was asked after the game about participating in the dunk contest. His response was essentially, I got the dunk contest right here for you guys every single night the Memphis Grizzlies are playing, which is true. But here's what the NBA has had to go down to. If you remember a few years ago, and this was I'm talking pre-Zion even at Duke, there was a sensation on YouTube and such of dunking basketball uh, youths, and one of them was Zion Williamson. The other one was a kid by the name of Mac McClung. If you ever watched this yeah. kid, he had a, he would ha- he would he, he didn't wear it in, in uh, 
high school, but in, when he got to Georgetown for his college years, he would wear the, the classic uh, headband. And he's about a 6'2", 6'3", guard, and he absolutely is exploding. He plays in the G League, and they are having to resort to bringing him into the dunk contest for this next NBA dunk contest. So I have hmm. two questions for you. Is this maybe the final death rattle uh, of the dunk contest, maybe having to change it up? Or... Can it just be saved by the classic, you know, the stars like John Moran participating in it? No. It the the dunk contest jumped the shark when Blake Griffin jumped over the Kia. Oh. That was it? Yep. That was a bad one. I, I think it, the the issue with the dunk contest is you don't have stars in it anymore. When when the dunk cost, contest was at its highest, when it was at the highlight of of, of what it was, you had named guys. And I think the last, I mean, Zach Levine and and, and um, Aaron Gordon was a really good dunk mm-hmm. contest. Though, but those two guys, they're not stars. But but Zach Levine is is all star ish. And so you you get guys that are all star players or or MVP players or Hall of Fame players participating in the dunk contest. This is why I tell people there are different levels to to stardom or, or to pro athletes. There are guys that are are Hall of Fame athletes, and when they do simple tasks such as the the, the dunk contest, they don't need fourteen dunks to dunk it in. Mm-hmm. No matter how difficult the dunk is, they are that supreme of athletes that once is good enough. When you have guys who are the twelfth men on the bench, they may not they can jump high, but the moment of of per- performing that dunk in that moment doesn't always seem to come through the way that we want it to. So I think the dunk contest is solely poor because you don't have stars point. in it anymore. And as fun as Ja is, and he's unbelievable. God, fun. Uh, but you have a billion dollar industry of the best ever to do it with a logo of him dunking, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard to live up to that. Well, Vince Carter did. Vince Carter Put was the elbow in honey dip. Vince Carter was the best dunk contest that I've ever seen. I maintain we actually have had an elite dunker who's just been overshadowed by the fact that he's been in just a, an unbelievably series of bad dunk contests. Go back and watch just 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 YouTube highlight Aaron Gordon. That's what I just said. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, Aaron yeah, Gordon that, and he's Zach the Levine. He's Those the, two are even Levine. Gordon would that put one, it yes. below both his below like his entire his butt. butt. Yeah, that's those ones are insane. But like you said, you get those every once in a while. Aaron but you don't Gordon, get consistency. Yeah, he's the one. He's I actually like one. the three he point is. shooting contest better than the dunk contest. It, now it is much better. But again, huh. it's because interesting. If you have because you have stars in the three point contest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you point. have guys that you don't know. It doesn't make it as fun. And again, those guys aren't stars. So it's not like they're going to perform on the biggest level in that moment. There is something to that, to being a superstar and not being a superstar and performing at that time. When when the lights shine brightest, you look for the guys that that get it done, and those are the ones that are going to perform the best. Also, if you're an NBA fan, you don't want John Morant uh, doing the dunk contest because I've said this from the day he got here. He dunks like Derrick Rose. He keeps landing on one freaking leg. He's going to hurt himself, and I it's going to break my heart when he does. I just wish he would just land on two feet a little bit more, my guy. Two feet. With you. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up, Sam Morrill, great comedian, is going to be in town at the pageant on Sunday, and he's going to join us next in the opening drive here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I mean, how much pain were you in week to week? My pain 
kind of went away uh, after my surgeries. I've had this unbelievable string of health my entire career, going back to high school, college, and the NFL. So missing that entire season was... Unfortunately for Cody Parkey, he's going to be infamous in the city of Chicago. The double doink got us all into our heads. That's literally like being on a flight that's going down, and as you're going down, someone like punches you in the face. <laughs> Can we get Howie on the show? Screw the Suns. We get it, Jules. You, you know, it's all about you. But uh, psycho fans in Philly, whether they're killing Santa or eating feces, you guys care. Peyton Manning and Chris Long joining Sam Marill, who's with us now, and Julian Edelman on the Games with Names podcast. One of the great comedians in America, Sam Marill, will be in town on Sunday night at the pageant. You can get tickets at sammarill.com. And he's with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line with Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Sam, thanks for joining us this morning. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Hey, we're excited about getting you uh, here to St. Louis. First of all, you're a, a big sports guy. How fun is it to do the Games with Names podcast that you're doing every week? It's been a lot of fun, man. The guests are crazy. You know, Peyton Manning, as he said, Eli is my guy. I'm a Giants fan. I mean, speaking of yesterday, uh, Giants kicking ass. I mean, Daniel Jones looking like a beast. This is this is exciting as hell, you know? So, uh uh, I love going in the playoffs as a nine and seven team because there's just no expectations. But if you win, no one wants to play. No one wants to lose to a nine and seven team. It's great. Hey Sam, when you're doing that podcast, have you learned anything uh, about football from Julian or any of the guests that you may not have known uh, prior to? I'll give you an example. So for me, and you can ask the guys this next time you talk to them, ask them about what goes on in the bottom of piles. <laughs> I, I've had a, a grown man grab the inner part of my thigh, and uh, it, it does, it's not pleasant. So I wonder if you've heard any stories that are, you know, that, that are very intriguing to you during these podcasts. I mean, there's so much I didn't know. I mean, just the amount of, uh, I mean, the amount of work that goes week to week. I mean, like, I, I mean, look, I put it together when I, when I have to change next to Julian. I'm like, one of this body does not look like the other one. Uh, you know, he's, he's put together and very strong. And I, you know, look like a 19 push-ups a year. So, uh, I mean, it's, uh, so that's pretty humbling. But, yeah, I mean, I think really just the work. I mean, he, you know, I'd coach Mike Brabel, you know, he had Belichick obviously at the top. And these guys are just pushing to a level that it's pretty uncomprehendable to, to just a normal person like me. Sam Marill with the Class Act Tour coming to the pageant on Sunday night. You can get tickets at sammarill.com. You mentioned a 9-7 and team. 2011, the Giants are 9-7. and They go to the Super Bowl and win it. They win it in 2007 against the Patriots. Sam, I contend that Eli Manning and the Giants saved America with those two Super Bowl victories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's nice, you know, uh, and, and I, I don't want to compare this to when the Giants beat the Patriots uh, but they, the first time we beat the Patriots, the 18 wins, one giant loss Super Bowl, the Giants actually played the Patriots, I believe, in the last game of the season. or It was a second, right. It was one of the last games, and it was, it was so close. And I remember watching being like, dude, we're good. Holy crap. And that's kind of what it felt like uh, last game uh, against the Titans. I mean, not the Titans, the Vikings, sorry. Because we hung with the Vikings. They won them like a fucking – sorry, sorry to curse. A whatever, 80-yard uh, – 60 something yard field goal and and we barely lose and uh i felt pretty confident they were going to win yesterday but then everyone starts picking the giants and i'm like oh that's almost like the jinx when everyone's like they're gonna win 
Hey, uh, Sam, we're so happy that we made you feel comfortable so quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I apologize. I, <laughs> no worries. No, what, what, an, what an animal I am that I can't go 10 minutes without a person. I'm sorry. My mom would be so ashamed of me. <laughs> we, we love it. Hey, and he, one thing about the Giants, being in the playoffs and winning a couple Super Bowls, we know that you're a big-time Nick fan. That kind of does it offset yeah. being a Nick fan. Oh. No, because you know what? Everyone likes to, to, you know, take a dump on the Knicks. But, dude, have you watched them this year? We have maybe two All-Stars. Randall and Brunson are killers. Uh, Randall is playing unbelievably lately. He dropped 42 yesterday. He's been on a tear. Uh, and Brunson is – everyone's saying it. Everyone who plays against him saying that we just beat the Wizards in a close game. And uh, Kyle Kuzma said Brunson's an All-Star. Everyone's saying it. I mean, the Knicks are young and really exciting. So, I think – People can hate, but we're what twenty five and eighteen. We're one. We're a superstar away from being a contender, and and it can happen at any time in New York. Hey Sam, I got a two part question for you. Who are your comedic influences? And if you had money just to go see one person uh, live, who would that one person be? Well, I mean, Rodney Dangerfield was so big for me growing up. I, I think I would have to have a lot of money to uh, create some sort of simulator to bring him back from the from the dead, but. Uh, I love the, you know, every line in Back to School just killed me. As a kid, like, you know what's great about Rodney is he appeals to every generation. Because I think the older people, he's like your funny friend. But then to me, he was like my grandpa or something. He was like your wisecracking grandpa. So I love the the whole, every joke was a killer. I mean, growing up in the city, David Tell is just like one of my heroes. Uh, Colin Quinn, the New York guys, I love, uh, you know, Chris Rock, Bill Burr, like those are the guys like that. I was like, oh, these guys are really uh, are killers. Uh, we, we have so many great comics now. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the obvious answers are like Pryor, Carlin. No, no one can, no comics not going to tell you that they're not uh, influential and great. But uh, there's so many. And uh, I don't know if there's anyone I want to see live. I kind of want to see Cosby live just to see if he talks about it. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, well, the first woman testifies. I'm like, oh my God. You this? Uh, I, that would be pretty rough. But uh, he's going on tour. That's going to be a thing. Cosby is on tour. I don't know who's going to have him, but he's doing it. And that, that leads me to my next question. With being a comedian, or do you ever fear the cancel culture? Like, Do you, do you worry about no, saying something no. that is politically incorrect? No, I make a living on it. Uh, so, no, I don't really worry about it. I, I, no, I, I always say, you know, I think a lot of this is, look, there are times when mobs take it too far. But, you know, look at other countries. I mean, you can really get you get murdered for speaking out against the government or speaking out against a certain high powered person. And in America, you get a Twitter mob. It's a very different uh, it's a very different thing. And I, I think Twitter is not real. I honestly don't really have anything they can take. I, you know, I don't have a TV show. I, I, I look at the things that people try to cancel you for. It's like, what are you going to make me stop doing a podcast? You know, like, there's not really much you can do to me. You know, I'm on the road. I mean, I, I, like, I think if it's like some guy who commits sexual assault, it's like, yeah, let's take a look at that guy. That, there's times when cancel culture makes sense. I do think, like, most people hear the word, most Americans hear the word cancel culture, and they get a negative feeling, I think. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think usually you have to do something really bad. If it's over a joke, 
then part of me is like, well, I almost want to go further with the joke. Yeah, right. I want to see why it's, why it's getting me in trouble. So, no, I don't I don't really fear cancel culture. I don't, I mean, but then again, I'm, I'm young in my career. I've had like little taste of people trying to cancel me, but nothing like, nothing crazy. Sam Murrell with the Class Act Tour coming to the pageant on Sunday night. Tickets available. Just go to Sam's website, sammurrell.com. So you've got the tour. You've got the Netflix special right now, same time tomorrow. We mentioned the podcast, Names with Games, with with Julian Edelman. You got to go on Netflix and do a thing with Letterman. You mentioned that you're young in your career. How cool is it to have all of this stuff happening? Well, you know, young in comedy, I've been doing it almost 20 years. You know, I've been doing it since I was 18. So it's like, uh, I am, you know, 36 now. So I, I didn't go hard in my first couple of years, but I was doing stand-up. I just wasn't going hard. But uh, no, I'm I'm grateful. It's, you know, there was a lot of years where it was like, I think Bill Burr would say it, it's called killing in obscurity. You know, so you're, you're in like Topeka or Toledo, Ohio or something. And you have a great set in a strip mall, but no one knows. And that's like how, <laughs> and that's kind of how you feel. You're like, well, I know I can kill. I know I'm, I'm getting pretty good at this, but no one sees it. And uh, so, you know, you don't really, it's, you can't get a big head because you're killing in the middle of nowhere. But at the same time, you are, you're having a set where you're like, this is going pretty well. I think I can do this. And then when you get those opportunities, you know, hopefully you're ready. And, you know, I was, I was really happy with how the Letterman thing played out. He was so cool. He was such a great guy. So that, that made it uh, easier. Well, if you check out Sam on YouTube, you're going to love it. And check him out at the pageant on Sunday night. And all you need to do is go to sammarill.com to get tickets. Sam, we love talking to you. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great day. And looking forward to having you here in St. Louis. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. You bet. Take care. One of the great comedians anywhere right now is Sam Murrell. He's very, very, very funny. Just check out his stuff on YouTube. Carrie, Randy, today is the 23rd anniversary of the very first NFL game played in St. Louis. And one of my favorite sports moments ever was Isaac Bruce. And we're going to talk to the Hall of Famer next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's going to be a huge play. Looking at tape, I, I looked at it was a slot formation. And if you're in high formation in slot, they automatically brought the corner off the backside, thinking that any run to the tight end side now is going to be blown up. And well, I went back and looked at all the high slots and that it was true. I thought it was kind of silly, but so okay. So safety is going to be out of position. So we ran a deep post and a crossing post and we blocked everybody as he just threw it off the safety curtain and And then the post there, both of them going to the inside. The guy that they came off on and left free was Isaac Bruce. And the first play of touchdown. <laughs> you know, we practice it a number of times in practice, and this is almost too easy, you know, but it worked out. That was January 16th of 2000. Here we are, January 16th of 2023, and still... My favorite St. Louis Rams moment, and one of my top three St. Louis moments ever, and the Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce is always kind enough to join us here on 101 ESPN with Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and Isaac, good morning. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing I'm doing well, Randy. Uh, thanks for having me. Kerry, how are you doing, big fella? I'm doing well, brother. Um, how are you? 
All is well, man. I mean, uh, it's playoff time in, in the NFL, and uh, a lot of wild football took place yesterday, and got one more to go. Yeah, tonight you've got Dallas and Tampa. I want to go back, and I want to talk about that morning, though, uh, and we'll, we're going to touch on the, the playoffs, but a lot of people aren't aware of the story about your hamstring before that game against the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I think the two years prior to that, that game, you know, I was having hamstring issues for quite a while. I think 97, 98 were pretty much decimated with hamstring injuries for me. Um, fortunately, I played the entire 99 season uh, without having an issue. Um, I think, uh, you know, we made some adjustments in practice as far as uh, reps that we were taking collectively. And, you know, it's funny. When we got ready to uh, uh, play that game, I'm just thinking in preseason, and well, excuse me, in pregame, you know, I don't want to do anything to kind of tighten my hamstring or, uh, you know, maybe pull a hamstring. And it's funny, I don't do any stretching. I'm just standing around, kind of enjoying the moment. And probably about two minutes before uh, we get ready to go back in, you know, I kind of reach down and I do a little light stretch and I hear my hamstring pop. So, Kerry, you know exactly what I mean when you <laughs> pop a hamstring. Bro. Yeah. Listen, you don't want to be touched. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can barely walk. Um, you know, in some instances, you feel like, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty good. You're good to go. But for the next six weeks, man, you're normally down and trying to just recover. But, you know, I kind of beeline to the locker room and um, I passed by Jim Anderson, which was our trainer at that time. And he sees this look on my face, and I saw a look on his face, and he knew it was trouble. So, um, you know, he, he goes over, and uh, he's, I think he's whispering to Mike, but he, I, I didn't see anything to Jim, so I just go to the locker room. You know, I called my sister back in Florida, man. We have a really close relationship. And, you know, we have prayer meeting in the corner of the locker room before everyone else got in there. So after that prayer meeting, I hang up the phone, and, you know, I don't say another word about it. Um, I don't tell Jim Anderson. Mike Martz doesn't know, but my hamstring is pulled. So, um, fortunately, we don't get the ball first. Our defense uh, goes out. I think they give up three points to uh, the Minnesota Vikings and Randy Moss and Chris Carter and that crew. And, you know, we go to commercial, kick the ball off Tony Horn, does this thing. And you know what? I finally walk out there. I walk gingerly to the huddle. And out of the huddle, I gingerly walk out. But I'm just standing there. I got a full hamstring, man. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to trust God in this moment. And, man, when I tell you, when I took off running, you know, I, the play could have been called. The first one to get open gets the ball. And, uh, fortunately, they, they kind of dropped me. And there I am right in the middle of the field. And, man, we, we scored a touchdown. The place just erupted. It was, it was beautiful. Hey, I, I was I was going to ask you when you came on, when did you, your, during your career, when you felt uh, that you had finally made it? Then I looked up your stats and saw that you had 199 targets your second year in the league. 199. Were they just not throwing the ball to anyone else? You were, you were the only person. Were you all running one-man routes? Was that what was going on out there? Well, you, you know what? Here's the thing, man. Um, you know, we had another Hall of Famer on that team in that offense at that time, Jerome Bettis. You know, he wasn't really happy with his contract situation. And, you know, the the focus of uh, uh, running the football, it kind of switched over to throwing the football. Uh, Chris Miller and myself, we had a huge connection. And, uh, you know what, they just couldn't do anything about me, man. It was like I was pretty much new on the scene. Uh, You know, whatever kind of defense you tried to put in front of me, we were just conquering it together. 
offensive line was was strong enough to you know give Chris time and allow me to get down the field and get open, man. So um, that's kind of how it turned out. But you normally when you have those type seasons and those type those many balls going to one person, there isn't much playoff success. We didn't go to the playoffs that year, so mm-hmm. it wasn't until the the uh, the, the greatest show on turf got together before so we could spread the football around kind of like Kansas City does right now before we started having some postseason success. Hey, Isaac, what do you think of that number 13 that played college football in Iowa, Brock Purdy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's pretty good. He's pretty good. You know what? I think, um, you know, uh, his abilities kind of can mesh with, uh, you know, the the, the scheme that, that Shanahan runs up there. You know, it's eerily similar. I mean, you put, you know, the 13 that we played with uh, together with a Mike Martz uh, uh, offense, great things are going to happen based with the talent that's, that's around them. It's eerily similar to what's going on uh, in San Francisco right now. Hey, Isaac, I, I, you talked about, you know, trusting God and, and the hamstring issues and all of those things. Um, yep. But people don't know how hard you worked. I was fortunate enough to watch you and Aeneas, and I, I'm still bothered by you two because <laughs> when we would have warm-ups, you two would be in full-out sprints, and it's just warm-ups. And I'm here a fullback trying to keep up with a Hall of Fame receiver and, and Hall of Fame defensive back. But your, yeah. your work ethic and, and your, your mindset, where did that come from and, and just the ability to know you needed to go get that done? Well, I inherited a lot of that from my dad, Jesse Bruce, uh, who was a roofer in South Florida for about 40 years. Mm. And I said, a roofer, you know, they were dealing with hot tar mm. and, and, and 80 plus degree weather with 80 plus 90 degree humidity. So uh, just growing up every day, watching him do that day after day, getting up, uh, going to work for us to provide for us. Uh, just a great man. And uh, I was fortunate to get that work ethic from him. And uh, just for me being able to do something that, um, you know, I love to do, you know, it never seemed like I had a job uh, base versus what he was doing. I felt like he worked very hard to provide for me and my 14 siblings. So um, it was it was great seeing him and just getting that work ethic from him. It was easy for me. The Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce, Bruce with us on 101 ESPN 23 years ago today. He catches the first touchdown pass. And by the way, it wasn't the only one. Roland Williams caught one. Ryan Tucker caught one. Jeff Robinson caught one. I remember the NFL Films thing, uh, Roland saying, it's a spectacle. It's a spectacle. And it really was, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. And uh, it came from, uh, you know, that being shouted from Roland Williams. If you know Roland, uh, you can expect he'd be the guy that really showcased what we were doing on and off the field at that time. But um, it was a great matchup. Uh, two great teams, two great offenses, uh, really locking horns against each other. And, and we were fortunate to win that game. And I just remember how the dome, the dome was rocking. Uh, it was rocking like the, you know, like everything upstairs, like the shingles going to fall off the roof. <laughs> just, to, just to see that. And then the following week versus Tampa, it was that times two. It was unbelievable. Hey, Isaac, leaving the number one seeds this year out of it, Kansas City and Philadelphia, we'll talk about them uh, at a later date, but over this weekend, before we get to Dallas and Tampa, who was the most impressive team you saw this weekend? Well, um, I was starting to lean towards uh, Los Angeles, the Chargers, uh, with you know with Herbert as the quarterback, and uh, I felt like he had a couple of weapons. Uh, Mike Williams, fortunately, didn't play. Um, I felt like they were starting to turn the corner uh, to be one of those teams, but you know, you know, I'll spit before I say this. But <laughs> San Francisco 49ers, man, they're they're a bunch of bullies right now. I mean, uh, from a defensive standpoint, uh, they're coached very well. They got guys who get after the quarterback. 
Uh, they can they can pressure with four guys and play zone in the back, which is huge, especially this time of year. And their offense is based off of a strong running game. So they, they're not a team that, that's trying to run, trying to remain balanced as far as running the football. No, they're a run-first team, and that gives that quarterback an opportunity to throw against you know, uh, single high coverage, uh, guys playing one-on-one on the outside, which, which, uh, gives him, uh, gives, which has given him a lot of success. I know you say that you, you spit before you say it, but you can always do this. You can always call up and say, hey, this is former 49er Isaac Bruce, and they need a pair of Super Bowl tickets. <laughs> I, 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 won't, I won't press them like that. <laughs> I understand that because anything Baltimore Ravens, I, I feel that wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. So, Isaac, how's the family doing? Uh, all is well with us, man. Uh, we, we're hanging down in South Florida. Uh, girls just started going back to school, uh, just celebrating uh, uh, this federal ho- holiday, Martin Luther King's Day, and uh, all the great things that he did while he, uh, he, he was here, pretty much laying down his life for uh, the betterment uh, of uh, people that look like me and uh, the things that he had to go through, just sitting back and really just reminiscing how he fought for our, uh, our civil rights, uh, you know, so that we can come out and uh, gather and attain our silver and gold rights right now. So we just kind of sit back reminiscing about that. Well said. And it's always great to hear from you. And what you do in the St. Louis community is phenomenal. If people want to make a donation to the Isaac Bruce Foundation, just go to IsaacBruce.org and there's a button right there at the front of the page if you'd like to make a donation. And what you do is amazing, Isaac. We always love to have you with us. We always like to talk to you and uh, we'll do it again soon. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, Randy. All right, Kerry. All right, bro. See, Isaac. The great Isaac Bruce on 101 ESPN. Randy, it was, it was, uh, those workouts were some of the best times of my life. Just, just spending time with him and Aeneas and watching how they worked, watching how Hall of Fame athletes work day to day. It was, uh, inspiring and, and it really forces you to, get to their level if you want to be able to compete and if you want to have sustained success in the NFL. Back in the day, there was an NBC broadcaster, an analyst named Bob Trumpy, and a game would get out of hand in the fourth quarter, and he'd go, this game is over. (laughs) And uh, when Isaac scored that touchdown midway through the first quarter against Minnesota on this date in 2000, I turned to my son, Patrick, and in the stands, and it was – Seven to three, and I said, "This game is <laughs> over." <laughs> and Sometimes they won. You, you they, feel it. <laughs> they moved ahead forty nine seventeen and won at forty nine thirty seven. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. CD, my man. There we go. And don't forget, you can go to SamMarill.com for tickets for his concert on Sunday night at the pageant. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.